0: What? Uh, we're
1: starting an hour late today. I know this is a little unusual for folks, but uh, there actually was a time when we had our, our world's greatest doctors panel, where we started um, at one o'clock in the afternoon. And that was because of Dr. Judy Mikevitz, uh way out there on the, uh, the West Coast, um, who does all kinds of amazing conferences and travels worldwide and calls worldwide. And, and she just wasn't, you know, up and ready to go early first thing in the morning on the West Coast because, you know, seven o'clock here uh, is five o'clock out there. And so that was a bit much. So we, we did that. So today we're only starting an hour late, and that's because we have an incredible de- guest, uh, Edward, or just Ed Dowd. And so this guy's amazing. amazing. Uh, very, uh, you know, he's he's like one of these, you know, unassuming, um, you know, brilliant, quiet guys that just uh, the information is devastating. And he's got the numbers, and he's he's got that that brain for for uh, trends and you know to see things that are happening. And what he saw happening. Um, you know, is that a whole bunch of people were dying, and he wasn't quite sure why. So he started investigating it. And this is a former BlackRock guy. He had, and I'll talk about this more, you know, when he comes on the air. Um, but he had a uh, an investment fund, and I guess they gave him a, a two billion dollar growth fund, and he turned it into fourteen billion dollars. That's growth. That's pretty good. So. He sees things that other people don't see. I, I kind of like to think that we at Action Radio see things that other people don't see, uh, uh, but in a slightly different way, because whereas he was looking at trends in order to invest in them, uh, not looking you know, for trends, I'm trying to create them. <laughs> so the whole point here is to do something that no, one, no, you know, no one's ever done before, uh, to, uh, to create a peaceful revolution of, of citizen legislators that's never been done. And all the things that we do here are new and different and, uh, and all over the place. And Oh, I think she's early. <laughs> I had to check this one. I think I know who this is again. So let me just – I always like to double-check my numbers because I've been wrong before. But uh, she's like two yeah, – this, this is going to be funny if I if, – uh, just hang on. To this. Uh, yeah, I thought so. All right. Um, this is Dr. Judy Mikevitz. Uh, Dr. Judy, uh, you're two hours early. I hate to tell you. He's on at uh, 10 o'clock our time, so 8 o'clock your time. Good morning.
2: Oh, good. That means I could go to sleep. Good morning.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I thought I thought, I <laughs> hope I told you yesterday, least Unless I was unclear for any reason, but you know, because I know it's really. I just was saying it's early enough on the West Coast for you, and you're so busy anyway. But uh, yeah, can you call in a couple hours? Or did you have? Uh, did you want to leave me a question now for Ed?
2: No, I can call in a couple hours.
1: Okay. Good. Go back to sleep. Set your I alarm. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay <goodnight>. night. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Right. Text in if you feel like to. All right, yeah, good. Just I'm, I hate to do that because I know she's so busy. We'll talk, to, Judy. We'll talk to you later. Go ahead. Just uh, well, <laughs> this is okay. crazy All right. All right. Yeah. Please. Just yeah. Get some sleep. Call us in a couple hours, and uh, you'll be uh, you know wide awake and perky and ready to go. And I've got I got like three hours worth of questions for Ed anyway, so uh, I'll definitely have time for you to talk to him as well. All right. So let's uh, let's get to uh, our, our regular person here. Um actually well not regular for today. Um Cowgirl Candice. Good morning. How you doing? Good
3: morning, Greg. How are you?
1: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> this is going to be one of those days. Um, I've already got uh, Dr. Judy Mikovic, so I think you talked to before. Uh, is, is was, was just a, a tad early for our guest uh, a couple of hours from now. Um, so, Judy, if you want to, I'll, I'll just leave your line. If you want to mute yourself, listen, go to sleep, whatever you want to do, uh, come back in a couple hours. I'll just leave you on the line. So it's up to you what you want to do with it. But uh, I want to talk to uh, Candace because we haven't talked for a little bit, and a lot's been going on with you. I Were you here last Friday? I think you were. Yeah, you were here last Friday. Uh, Okay, so Mm -hmm. let me get this straight. I get, I'll tell you, just to let folks know, you know, as as long as I've been doing this, my many years in broadcasting, like five, (laughs) uh, I still get a little flustered when I get a real special guest. And so I have a lot of prep that I've been doing for for, uh, Ed Dowd. And so if I see him a little, you know, probably when I first start talking to him, I tend to talk fast, you know, and and get a little discombobulated, but then settle down. And, And so if I'm more disorganized than usual, that's why. So uh, let me start with you. You want to sort of reintroduce yourself and talk about, uh, um, you know, what you do, and then we'll get into all the news and events and things that have been happening in your life.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I go by Cowgirl Candace for the most part on my social media, and then I run and operate basically my own ranch. So I have a total of 16 horses here Um some of them are, are borders, but you'll find that my borders are very involved with what I do. Um, and my main priority is, is going out on trail rides. Um, I do do lessons and I do camping and I want to do packing trips. and pretty much if you called me and you asked me, you know a random question of, "Well, can you do this?" Chances are, I'm going to figure out how to do it if it involves the horses. Um, but my business is Believe the Journey Horse Services. Um, I am also going to school um, to do equine massage as well. Um, but it's you know we do have quite a few equine massage therapists here in our area in Milton, Florida, and in Pensacola. Um, But I want to do it a little different. So I also got certified in Reiki, which is energy work. Um, It talks about our chakras and keeping us grounded, which, you know, horses horses have taught me how to do that more than, I think, anything else in my life. So when I was younger and I got into the horses – and people saw me ride. They saw how calm and collected I was. And then people was like, well, I want I want you to train my horse, you know. And for a while, I didn't know how to explain what I was doing. And, and some people still call me the horse whisperer in that aspect. But really, it just, it really goes into our energy. And, and same thing when I'm rescuing and I'm rehabbing these horses, you know, not only are they coming to me neglected and starved, but some of them are emotionally just broken and have either been ridden hard or abused and you know you really have to dig deep so part of it's like being a therapist not only um you know for the horses but for for people that come to i kind of give them that that reiki energy and and allow them to to breathe and feel grounded and i'm allowing them to do that basically with mother nature too you know we get out there and and we we remember to breathe and we remember to look around and use all of our senses. So I kind of do a little bit of it all, um, but but my my most favorite thing is is doing the trail rides and watching people come to me that you know have a lot going on in their life and and they get out there and they realize, man, I really just needed this moment to to take a break and to enjoy my life and to see nature again and connect with the with an animal. So. That's a
1: little bit about me. <laughs> yeah, but you, you don't see horses as animals. I, I mean, I don't see animals as animals. I mean, they're like, like, you know, fellow creatures, you know, sharing our planet here. So I, I guess that's, that's, just, that's always been my philosophy. And people are like, oh, this is an animal. Well, I guess you're just a the person then. <laughs> you know, what does that mean? But you, you, right. you chat, you know, it starts with the horse whisper. I mean, the people, I think that the, the, the separation um, that everybody sees, you know, there's people and there's animals. And you don't see that. I don't see that either. You know, when I'm flying, Uh you know, I'm riding my bike down the trail, and this dragonfly flying beside me it's like, "Hey, spirit animal, appreciate you being here." You know, and this is how I've always seen these things. And you see, so do do you find that that people when they call you the horse whisperer, you know, it's like you're really not. You're just you're just doing what what you consider natural anyway. Why don't they see Mm -hmm. things as you do? And that's that's kind of I'm guessing that's what's going on.
3: Yeah, I mean, and it. And like reiki work and and life coaching and like going out there and running around barefoot, you know some people's like, what this girl's crazy, you know, so it's um you know, I was talking to my friend Wendy the other day, who eventually mm-hmm. will join the show um and you know people just don't some people don't get it and and there's gonna be those people that don't get it, and then some people long for it, but we all keep it quiet, you know, we keep this little secrecy to ourselves of. Cause we We don't want to be the weird ones, you know we don't want to, you know when I say, like you said, you know, when I see a dragonfly cross by or for the first time ever on the trail ride, um less than a week ago, we've seen some robin eggs like tucked in the little crevice of a tree, you know, and I stopped everybody because I wanted everybody to see it, but um you know i I look at those as signs, and when I am having a really bad day or emotionally you know, just unconnected, you know, I, I think of what comes across my path. For instance, Mm -hmm. um, I was driving, I don't know if you're familiar with Fox squirrels, but they're not native or they're, I I don't know if they're native to our area or not, but they used to be endangered. So they're these huge squirrels. They almost resemble ferrets in a way. And there's two different colors. One looks like a red Fox, you have like a Brown head. And then it goes into like a red, red rony body type, but they're huge. They're like sizes of rabbits. And then you got your your gray fox squirrels, which have the black head, and they go into like the snow fox look. Um, And for the first time ever driving, you'll see them at Coldwater. So anybody that's riding with me at Coldwater, always keep a lookout on Buddy Hardy because that's where I see them the most. And that is the road leading up to Coldwater Horse Stables. Um, but anyways, I seen four of them, I, you know, and normally I only see like one here and there, but like, it was like, literally like it was, something was telling me, you know what, I just need to stop and and watch one of these because it's, you know, from leaving cold water all the way to Munson Highway, 8, they're literally on the side of the road and I'm like four and one day it was two brown ones mm. and two grapes And I'm like, imagine that, you know? So, um, you know, I want. I want people to be comfortable talking about that. I want us to get back to our roots, and I want us to get back to our spirituality, and I want us to rely on those senses because we've lost them.
1: Huh? So, are these fox squirrels or actual foxes that we're talking about here? I think I might have missed yeah. that a little bit.
3: Fox squirrels,
1: but okay. they look like
3: foxes, like
1: okay.
3: as far as coloration goes.
1: Do you have foxes on the trail? I mean, do you have coyotes we kind do. of critters that are out there? Okay, all right.
3: Hmm. We have windlies. A lot of times um, in the evenings, we see our white-tailed deer. Um, we have, we actually have four different species of of different woodpeckers out there, and that's why I want to get Wendy on the show because she is, it's it's an amazing uh, an amazing connection I had with her right off the bat. But she actually is from Jersey. Mm-hmm. And had never been, you know, she thought she lived in a small town in Jersey. And then they came mm-hmm. all the way down here and like, sold everything they had. And they're living right there. They're the camp post at Coldwater Horse Stables, you know. And she was like, it, it's unbelievable. You know, I thought I was close to nature when I lived in Jersey, but nothing like this, you know. And she was like, I'm the happiest that I've ever been. And she's out in nature every day. And even her husband has changed tremendously, you know. And so I'm grateful for the fact that I get to do this for a living and go out there and and get to be a part of that
1: and, and share my passion with others. We have to uh, redefine crazy. Um, just to let you know, Marco's listening in the Netherlands, and he sent me a website on the fox squirrel. So I'm going to quickly uh, look Hello. this up here. So we have we have instant response. So I've got uh, Josh in Illinois on the line. I've got uh, Dr. Judy Mikevitz, who's uh, I don't know <laughs> either listening in or, or uh, you know waiting a couple hours. So so I just left her line live. Uh, and I've got uh, Marco in the Netherlands, and we're it's a busy day. <laughs> You know, things, we're, we're getting busier, too. That's the funny part about action radio. It's it's uh, Things are, are about to explode here. Um, but there was a scene. I don't know if you ever saw the movie. Yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? Go ahead.
3: Oh, you can go ahead.
1: Oh, okay. Well, So that's a fox squirrel. No, it doesn't look like a fox to me. It looks like a big squirrel. But that's okay. People name things, uh, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Um, anyway, so <laughs> there's a scene in the movie Con Air. I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's uh, you know very violent, and a lot of things blow up, and uh, it's a real dude film. And but there's one scene uh, where this guy that plays this total psychopathic murderer, you know, says, "Well, crazy, you know, crazy is is uh, people who you know lead a normal life and commute and uh, you know pay for houses they can't afford and work a job they 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 can't stand to get a gold watch at the end of 50 years and you know retire and die and you know after drooling on a rocking chair for you know whatever." He says, "That's crazy, <laughs> you know, and and compared to you know living your whole life of misery, that to me is crazy." What you and I do, you know, following our passions, that to me seems normal. So I think it's the, the people that think they're normal or at least trying to be normal that are really the crazy ones. And those of us, you know, <laughs> you ride horses and I try. I'm saying, look, we can write the laws we consent to be governed by. We, we can change the world. Well, we mean we can't. What are you talking about? You're crazy. That's, of course we can. You know, so, so if you redefine crazy in terms of, of the person who says it to you and so wait a minute, what are you doing? Tell me, tell me how normal your life is. I mean, you don't want to do that and accuse people But what I'm just saying. But, but if you think about it that way, you know, what's, what's normal and what's crazy? To me, they're, 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 it's through the looking glass. The people that are trying the hardest to be normal are truly insane. And those of us that uh, people think are crazy, are, we're the normal ones. We're doing what we're supposed to do. We're doing what's natural. We're doing, you know, we're with the earth mm-hmm. and the spirit. And, uh, you know, and I, I looked up dragonflies as my spirit animal. Dragonflies represent change. And my entire life, that's, that's the theme you know is like massive change uh either being yeah. a, you know having it put upon me or causing it and and I've taken all the changes that were put upon me and using that as a positive to now cause them mm-hmm. So what do you think
3: I mean I think that's that's amazing that you've um you've been able to spot that out as well because it it definitely helps me the most is is seeing that and and then going back and saying hmm there's a reason there's a reason that I'm seeing these, or there's a reason that it's crossing my path, and I'm mm-hmm. the person that I'm like, I want to know the reason, you know. So,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and that, it just helps me, it helps me in my daily life, and it allows other people when they come out and they see that I'm utilizing it, then they get to thinking that way, and,
1: and they're like, man, you know, there there's something,
3: there's a logic to this, and I want to get on it.
1: Yeah, the reasons for everything, and there's a logic to everything, the question is, do you see it? And and there's so many uh, predispositions that people have that don't allow them to see the things that we see because we're open to them. And uh, because they're using that normal framework once again, uh, they tend to block things out. It's like uh, I was thinking about this um, this morning before the show. The most common thing, you know, somebody new to Action Radio says, well, have you passed any bills yet? in other words prove to me that you're worthy you know of me of me talking to you i said wait a minute <laughs> you know I, said, I don't have to prove to to you that i'm worthy i said we're we're going to do this but i said but it's just interesting that that's the mindset that in other words we won't be successful you know no one people don't want to support us until we've already proven that we don't need their help <laughs> and i'm like okay well that's interesting we ain't going to get anywhere that yeah. way yeah. Anyway, before I take Josh, um, and I find out what's going on in Illinois, uh, news, horse stuff, anything, uh, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Let's, let's let's kind of start there, and then I'll uh, bring Josh in the conversation here.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, not not too much news, other than you know we did have a um, a friend that passed away, and that going back into keeping um, keeping you grounded. You know, when when we got the mm-hmm. news that he was the voter, it was you know, at first it was just shocking because I, I consider myself an outdoors person, you know, and mm-hmm. if if I got into a situation, most of the time, you know, I can use my my thoughts and, and really get me out of those situations. I mean, there's been times that I'm like, okay, you know, this is where I'm probably going to have to call 911, but mm-hmm. we've worked it out and um, to know that he, you know, w- was out there and And going out there every day and searching and not knowing i mean it's you know we are looking talking about our senses you know normally we go out to the beach and we don't think twice you know we hear every day about people drowning and and people losing their lives not only at the beach but i mean everything in general people Mm -hmm. do it on horses you know i don't hear it every day but i've heard tragic stories and i still get on my horse and i don't think think about it you know and so going out there that week looking for him you know it really opened up more senses and then it 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 made me realize man you know it life life is considerably short you know and we do and I tend to do it too like I take every day for for granted you know so I I wake up a little bit more now with a little bit more gratitude and a little bit more you know I'm blessed for this and thank you for giving me one more life or one more day you know and Um, so I just want to give a shout-out to the amount of people that was involved. You know, Pete was from a small town. I grew up with him right here in Milton, Florida, which, you know, to me is small. It's not the smallest town in the world, but it's small, and to know that the whole community um, just came together, and we're still coming together. I mean, we have a fish fry fish tournament benefit forum coming up April 15th if anybody's interested. Um, Just let Mm -hmm. me know so I can get the information on that. Um, we also are going to do a field trial hunt, which is at Coldwater. Um, and that's going to be another benefit for him. I'm going to bring the horses out and allow the kids to ride around in the round pen. And I've donated a couple of things towards that field trial benefit to raise money for his family. Um, captain Paul Redman was the gentleman that actually found him. Um, and I don't know too much about him, but I know that he has had to deal with some of the same exact traumas of, of, um going out there in those waters and finding people but he actually thought of the idea of creating a reef for him so there is going to be a pete's reef there in the channel um, where he was found so that has been donated and then we have our southern raceway here in milton Um, several of the guys that's been winning these past weekends have been donating all the money to, to pete's family so it's just it was such a tragedy um, going through that week and as an empath you know holding everybody else's energy was was really hard for me but I was going out there and getting closer and reminding myself I need to stay grounded and looking for the spirit animals and looking for the signs above for that guidance of okay there was closure and there's peace there and so I did write a tribute which I, I think you've seen it on Facebook talking mm-hmm. about that and kind of explaining through, which I didn't I didn't talk about it until after we found the news. but it was so crazy Saturday when he was found Saturday or Friday night. We had went out there Friday. Our plans was to go back out there Saturday and just walk the beach looking for whatever whatever sign we needed, you know and to be there to support the family. and there was boaters, um, your friend Jean want to give a shout out to him. I do believe he flown two days in his seaplane looking mm-hmm. over. We had the Cajun Navy that came out. We had Daphne Search and Rescue that came out. The Coast Guard. I mean, you name it. People were out there. Um, yeah. And it was incredible. Yeah, we can mention Gene,
1: Gene Valentino. So he's a friend of mine. And uh, he's actually known in the community here uh, a whole lot. But yeah, yeah. he had his own plane. He was out there flying. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you know, Cajun and, Navy, I've heard about them too. Cajun we had, Navy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah, that's so great it, group of people. It was,
3: yep. it was it was amazing to see and, and to see that closure. But that night before he was found, you know, I had multiple dreams of that mm-hmm. he was found. And I like, woke up and I told my husband and I said, I could not stop dreaming that he was found. So we, as soon as we got to Fort Pickens and I turned off my truck, our, our phones being saying that he was found. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was incredible to know how close you can get to your, to your senses and your subconscious telling you what you need to know. And I've had a couple of those dreams where things like that have happened. Um, so, it I, again, it was more of just a shout-out of what has happened in the past two weeks with him. And and like I told people through that message, you know, Pete's going to live lifetime after lifetime, you know, from generation to generation. He's going to be remembered because he was such a great – he impacted everybody that he met and he was one of those people that he would give the shirt off your back or his back too. So um you know and he did raise two children um and they're they're just going to they're going to keep him alive, you know, and that's what we have to think about, you know, is is he's going to be a part of us for the rest of our lives, physically not here, which is is hurtful, but he's going to he's going to live on.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that uh, as long as somebody remembers you, then, uh, you know, whatever impact you had, you know, it's it's still going to be felt. You know, that's why I talked about Mm -hmm. one of my favorite folks on the show, Dr. Peter Pry, who I think died of a COVID shot. And this is last August. And I still talk about it. I still quote him. I still got the bills that he wrote. Uh, I I compiled every show that he did with us over the course of four years. You know, I've made that available to a couple of folks and uh, still hoping that, you know, like the Center for Security Policy and other folks get back to me and and, uh, say, hey, yeah, you know, because I have an entire library. Uh, I tried to get it to his family, you know, same kind of thing. Um, So for those that don't know the story, and and like I say, as always, the caution is you can reveal or talk about as much as you want. Don't feel pressured to go into any more detail uh, than you want to. to you know, mention his name, and as far as you know, you want to talk about what happened, and, and then let's talk about uh, you know the water in the area around here a little bit, and then again, Josh, just hang on, I will get to you, I promise. Um, can you tell us a bit more of the story? So that those that don't know,
3: yeah,
0: I, can kind of fill
1: in some details. There was,
3: yeah, there's there was multiple stories that kind of went out, but the um, gist okay. of it, you know, he, he did what he always did like me always going out there riding horses um mm-hmm. you know it was just a typical other night for him he was going to go out there and go floundering there in the past so so he was in a um, boat
1: or was he you know on the shoreline so, or, yeah, or, was, or was swimming middle, where was he
3: uh, he was i think like a little 14 foot foot boat but again okay. it was a boat that he went out there on but it was the past mm-hmm. so i think he and i'm not super familiar with the beach area either but i know that he was right there in the past um close to like joe paddy's um going out towards like the coast guard area um
1: and, and across so this is close forth, to shore pensacola, pensacola just yeah. if people want to look this up on a map pensacola. try and find out what we're talking about here yes yeah yeah
3: okay so i'm right there in pensacola and it just it was cold that night it was windy and something happened with the boat and the waves capsized in and um there was one other person on the boat with him that did make it to shore um but i as far as i know you know it was just it was just a freak accident and mm-hmm. just like most of the drownings out there it just it happens so quick even the best swimmer can get caught up in it especially if the tide's going out
1: so, Oh, rip currents um, uh, people that are familiar that, with rip currents you know can be dead yeah
3: the rip current Uh-oh. And it, you know, was, you, it was one of the coldest yeah. nights that we, we had, uh-huh. so I think it was in the 30s that night. So I can so only imagine.
1: Yeah, hypothermia possibilities, too, you know, once you're in the water. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. Well, that, yeah. that's really just the, the, the story behind it, okay. that he was missing for four, four or five days before they found him.
1: Wow. Now, this particular so. stretch of water has had other people that have had problems yeah. or, 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 tragedies. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. you and I need to do once, uh, you know, you let this kind of go a little bit over, over time, we need to take a look at that stretch of water and we need to get some mm-hmm. oceanographer folks or some people or some boaters and get together and see if we can figure out what's going on there. Maybe there are, maybe there's like a warning time when people shouldn't be there. Maybe there's something we can do, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, like my guest, you know, coming up in a couple hours from now, I, I look for trends. I look for patterns. I look for, you know, things that, uh, that, that people aren't noticing. You sort of put the events together mm-hmm. in your head, uh, and as far as what you do riding horses and what I used to do as a flight instructor uh, that I intend to do again, I've lost friends who were flight instructors, and I've, and I would teach the next day um, because because that's what I did. It, it's you know, and mm-hmm. I, I always separate you know. I think I know things can happen. I have uh, listen. I was involved in uh, the several you know possible midair collisions simply because it's crowded up there sometimes. And other pilots get distracted and they do stupid things, you know. And of course, when you're teaching a lesson too, you got to be aware of what's happening around. I, I think I was generally pretty good at that because I'm still here. Um, but for other folks, but it it never stopped me. I never questioned flying, uh, despite the fact that some some pretty horrible things happen. Uh, it's like Mark Twain wrote a book on, on the dangers of staying in bed, and what he said was that most people die in bed. You know, so you, you might as well have the adventures, take the train trips. And life was a lot more dangerous then. You know, the, the boats weren't as safe. The boilers would explode. The river boats. He's like, go ahead, travel. So much safer than staying in bed. That's where most people die in bed. So when you look at it that way, it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, um, you might as well. You know, would, would I, would I um, miss the chance, you know, to go to Paris with my daughter and climb the Eiffel Tower simply because I thought at some point, somewhere along the way, an airliner might have a problem. No, I'm going to go. <laughs> you know, so, so that's why we do what we do. You know, why, why do people live at the base of volcanoes? Well, because it's the best soil in the world. You know, why did I live in San Francisco for 30 years on an earthquake fault? And I was in the earthquake of 89. Because it was beautiful. <laughs> you know, so why do we do the things we do? Because that, that's the human condition. So you can, yeah. you can live your life you know, worried about what might happen, or you can revel in the good things that do happen. Personally, I would rather fly yeah. uh, and experience that then miss that for something that might happen maybe or most likely won't happen because the odds are against it, but things do happen to certain people. It's like lightning. You know, are you going to miss watching a storm because you might be hit by lightning? I don't watch the storm, you know, because it's there. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Anyway, that's just my thought. Um, let me bring on uh, – do you have like a follow-up comment, and then I'll bring Josh on here.
3: Um, no, like I said, I just wanted to definitely bring a shout-out to everybody that was involved and that's still involved. Um uh, yeah. and, and just make it easier for the family itself, you know. Um and and you know, it I took a lot from it as well, you know, again just just going back to, okay, I'm keeping myself grounded. Mm-hmm. Let me let me trust the universe and, and it all it all came out like it was supposed to, you know, it so in in one hand, yes, it's a tragedy because we lost somebody that we'll never get to say hey to again. Mm-hmm. Um, in a physical world, but in the in another hand, you know it was it was beautiful in its own way because then people people come together and you just see what love really brings to the table, you know. And I'm I'm sure even the family was like, "Oh my God, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't realize so many people um, were going to be involved with this." So so there, in in every tragedy, we can make it beautiful.
1: Yeah, I mean and with- we lost people in the San Francisco earthquake, um but oh. we also got to meet all our neighbors for the first time. <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. we had a cookout that night, yeah. you know, because everybody uh, brought their their perishable food cuz the power was out. And so we immediately right. um you know, got our got ourselves organized and uh and our local uh, corner grocer brought out the the charcoal and the lighter fluid. Yeah. And we had a there we had go. a banquet. We had a banquet. You know, it's pitch black, right? There's no electricity, no lights, nothing. And the police are chasing looters down the street. And there's some pretty horrible things going on. <laughs> but in our corner, we're like, "It hey, is this is cool, man. We're like San Francisco. We're going to, like, chill out and, like, totally awesome experience. We're going to have some California food and barbecue. I'm like, this is great. And, oh, look, there's the police running up the hill. That's awesome, too. You know, this, 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 San Francisco, what are you going to do, right? Anyway, let's bring on Josh. Right. Uh Make his line live. And uh, so we had a little background noise. I made it live a second ago. Um, Josh. Uh, you're on with uh, Cowgirl Candice and uh, the rest of and we got Marco in the Netherlands listening in, and he's working hard on his computer stuff. And we, we do what we do. Good morning, sir. Hey, Greg, how you doing, bud? I think I just told you. <laughs> no, don't no, oh, Everybody starts.
4: How out. dare how, how dare I?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not you. I was just, I, it, it's just that I, you know, uh, I think I should wait until people say how you doing, and then go into my spiel. No, anyway, so I'm doing fine. How you um, doing? Okay. New Jersey, Are you doing? Okay. Yeah, we'll get some coffee. We'll talk. Yeah, how you doing?
4: You know, no, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> we're over here doing the pizza thing, you know?
1: Anyway. <laughs> yeah, you got a new no, mayor okay, who's Candace, like worse uh... than the old mayor. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> oh, my God. Why? Why would you do that to me?
4: Um, no, it's going to be... Because you called uh, from uh, Illinois.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, just to let you know, I don't think I don't think you've talked to Candace before, too. But this is we're we're sort of like horses and life and uh, nature and whatever else comes to mind. I mean, you're not you're not stuck on those subjects. Oh no, I was gonna if... I
4: was gonna ask you something. Sure, go ahead. Candace, um, I'm about to deliver a bunch of uh, water and diapers to the church to send down to Southern Illinois with. Uh, yeah, it, it's a whole thing with uh, tornadoes that just ripped through here and kind of destroyed oh. a bunch of our towns. Oh man. Um but but in but when I go to my church, uh, we have perpetual prayer. Um is it okay with you if I put Peter's name in there for them to pray for him?
3: Oh my gosh, yep. Yeah. So his um his name is his real name was Marvin, but he went by Pete. It was Marvin Leslie Griffin was his name. Marvin. Okay. That's yep. all I
4: need. No, I just yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I just wanted to ask you, you know, because that, that matters. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Greg, my friend, how are you doing?
1: Man? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> don't, do, don't sit me up like that. No, I'm actually no. curious about no. what's going on. Uh, <laughs> tell me about Illinois because I know about the tornadoes I see on the news, but watching on the news and, and knowing some of actually knows people and knows what's going on is a different thing. So what happened? What, what happened with the tornadoes?
4: Um, that was mostly torn up the south side of our state, uh, mm-hmm. tore up a couple of towns. Dude, it really tore up Mississippi and Alabama. Like mm-hmm. that's, we should be focusing our attention down there.
1: Well, it's close to our neighborhood down here, but, uh, uh, Candace, do you know more was about that?
3: that?
1: Do you know about more of the well, tornado? I,
3: I the one, um, Alabama and Mississippi. So was that the same line of storms that hit y'all as I, well? I don't
4: yeah, I know. That's the beauty of it is I'm not a meteorologist. I don't know. I I just yeah, know that a bunch of towns were torn up and a bunch of people are devastated. Like, there were dozens of deaths.
3: Yeah. I know, um, I, I can't I remember Mississippi, but I know that my dad called me the day that it happened and was like, have you seen what Mississippi looks like? Because I got, I got quite a few friends in Mississippi, so my immediate thought was, oh, my God, let me message them because I don't – I don't. I can't remember the name of it, but it was my good friend. And he said, you know, he could feel the impact. But, I mean, it was like 18 wheelers on top of houses. Like, that's how bad it was. Wow. Um, Greg, for you that hasn't really followed up with it, I mean, I didn't know about the line of tornadoes in Illinois. Um, I did, like I said, I knew about the ones in Mississippi because my dad called me on it. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, I don't know if maybe I'm getting older so I'm I I hear more because social media is there to give us news even if it's false or, or untrue but um to me I feel like the tornadoes just in the United States in general has been has been more than what they used to be I don't know can how do y'all feel about that? Do well, just the fact that you, that
1: you at your age have said for the second time says you're feeling older is just is cracking me up, <laughs> you know, as I approach 64. <laughs> you know, Greg, it just kinda, Greg you know, over
4: there being a cratekeeper.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> but what's interesting is I know I know the, the global warming climate change crowd like to focus and, and they said that oh, it's, it's been when they'll say it's been the hottest year in 100 years, uh, it's still within the the um, the, the margin of uh, statistical. You know, we're not really sure what happened. Uh, they'll take like a point, you know, one percent increase and go, oh, so it's the hottest year. You know, in other words, they're barely <laughs> into the, the 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 gray zone and they're reporting this stuff. So, are tornadoes better or worse, or or or, or I shouldn't say better or worse, but more frequent? Probably not. Uh, I mean there are cycles like everything else that runs. weather runs hurricanes run in cycles, you know uh, The warmest uh, times it's kind of ironic the warmest times of, of uh, The last hundred years or so were the 1930s which caused, which were and we had the worldwide depression We had the rise of the worst dictators probably in world history, you know, Hitler Stalin Mao You know some of these other folks that came about uh, And it was a very warm time uh, warm times have also produced uh, incredible um, genius the Renaissance, um, you know great agricultural times you know all kinds of food and things so it's it's interesting how it works but uh, as far as more or less j- just go back to the almanac uh, like the old farmer's almanac or uh, yeah. any of the almanacs and just you know check the numbers of, of tornadoes per year but here's something to think about too is that as the country gets bigger and develops more tornadoes are going to have more effect because when you have more population you know more people are hit by them you know, when you have 100 years ago, you didn't have as many people scattered around the country. And so you could have even stronger storms that might uh, be at a completely rural or not even a populated area at all. So right. it's just, you got to take a look at the evidence. You know, everything changes. You cannot legislate climate change. You, you know, shutting off your SUV is not going to lower the temperature and lowering the temperature. actually isn't that good a, an idea anyway. Um, let me get Marco. He's got a comment here. He says, a uh, climate activist. Uh, it's warm weather. He says, that's, that's climate change. It's cold weather. That's climate change. Yeah, <laughs> warm weather. That's climate change. Cold weather. That's climate change. Uh, normal temperature. That's climate change. You know, it storms. That's climate change. It doesn't storm. That's climate change. <laughs> so I think Marco's pretty much nailed it. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, whatever, yeah. whatever they want, they'll use. Um, you know, you, if you if forgot wants. the Greta Thunberg
4: quote, I'm offended.
1: Oh, which, uh, what, what's uh, what, what does dear Greta the spoiled brat say today? I'm offended. She says she's offended. <laughs> you know, there's who is the Australian There's Australian comedian. I should uh, put that on uh, uh, on my social media page. You know, he said he was talking about being offended. He says uh, someone says I'm offended, and he says, "Yeah, so what? The world doesn't stop turning. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're offended. I'm offended. You're offended. You know what do you, what, what do you want? That's You want a
4: change. That's not, that's not Australian. That's a Brit.
1: He's a British guy? <laughs> but he yeah, talks with an Australian accent. Explain that hair. one. Yeah, that's the guy. You sure he's I, not Australian? I,
4: you know what? I would love to explain a British accent or an Australian I accent. Perhaps we could
1: I, talk in a British accent. If, for a chance, I should actually try one. Or Australian accent. I? Ah, yeah, I right, maybe, maybe. You know mm-hmm. what? I think that's that well. We speak in Russian accent sometimes. You know, you never know what happened here. It's actually on the radio.
4: You know what joke is. You know what
1: joke <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're all, definitely are all over the place this morning. This is kind of fun. We're going to get serious in the third <laughs> hour. And then we got uh, CJ with our wellness in the second hour, which is going to be interesting, too. Um, have you, any, either of you or anybody in the line, said, we still got Jude in the line, too, um, with what's going on with, with the stuff that Ed Doubts come out with? You know, his book is uh, uh, Cause Unknown, Sudden Deaths. You know, and what I find fascinating, and this is one of the questions I have for him later on, uh, is the fact that uh, with all the medical knowledge and the, 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 um, the medical journalists, you know, the New England Journal of Medicine, the Lancet, you know, the supposed, you know, great publications, they're, they're like the, the equivalent of the New York Times, at least what they used to be as far as medical journalism. They didn't notice this. Nobody noticed this. We knew, we knew something was coming because at Action Radio, we've been complaining about uh, the whole Dr. Fascist program you know, ever since he started back in February of, of 2020. Um, but we didn't know how it was going to come up, but we knew something really bad was going to happen uh, and that that man had to be stopped. Anyway, what, what I find so fascinating, and I'm curious your reaction to this too, it's, uh, it was the morticians and the life insurance people that first made the big alert that uh, the jabs, the non-vaccines uh, were causing massive problems and the people were dying. You know, it's not a pandemic of the non-vaccinated. It was actually a pandemic of the vaccinated you know, that are in far shape. Um, I don't know if you guys have friends you want to talk about or, or your own know, personal experience with this. I mean, feel free. But uh, why why the insurance companies and the morticians? Why are they the ones that uh, were the whistleblowers? I just find that fascinating. Uh, any reactions? Let's start with Candice.
3: Um, I mean, I am have not heard of that. But, I mean, you have kind of understand where I'm at and it's, it's cool that I'm on action radio because I'm getting a little bit more involved with, mm-hmm. with dipping into something that I just like, you know, I, the evil in the world and the life insurance and all that. I could see why, you know, they,
1: well, you're getting older. Evil. So, you know, you got to deal with these yeah. things.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm getting older. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I should listen to this a little bit more. now. but, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always been in the back of my head that I'm like, yeah, you know, kind of like Judy said, what they say, just think yeah. the opposite, you know? So, mm-hmm. and and that's exactly how I feel because I'm like, mm, you know, there's, there's greed and they're, they're not out to really help you. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're here to, to find ways to make money. And unfortunately it's, it's involving us and it's population control and, and things that, you know, that I don't know the knows about. So, so I don't have a lot of comments on it other than, I don't agree okay. with, with how the government and how the pharmaceutical companies do what they do for us. So. <laughs> well,
1: well, how, I think we talked about this a little bit before. How are they affecting your horses? I mean, do you have to have life insurance on your horses, yeah. or is that an idea? Or do you have certain pharmaceuticals they're trying to push on you? Um, I know that, in fact, we talked about this uh, last week. Um with Judy, the fact that uh, they said ivermectin was horse paste, and you're actually a horse person, you know, who uses ivermectin, you know? And so it's, it's yeah. interesting, the, 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 sort of the crossovers between, you know, how the horses are taken care of, which are mammals just like us. We're not that different biologically. Right. They're just a lot bigger, you know, yeah. uh, and they don't have thumbs, which right. makes their life a little tougher. But you know, other than that, we're not that different. So I'm just curious, right, yeah. but uh, what's big farmer doing to you? So, and
3: then, and this goes back to when I was a uh, practice manager in the vet world, too, I worked in the vet field for 11 years, um, and it's the same thing. You know, they come out with these new products, and they push it on you. So, like, you know, penicillin, we used to be able to get over the counter for the horses, and now we have to actually take them in. And half the time, you don't even hear penicillin being used at all in the vet field um, as much as they used to, because there is more of the big pharmaceutical companies out there that have different antibiotics. and similar to us going to the doctor you know they kind of narrow mm-hmm. down oh well you either have a fungus or a bacteria well here let me just give you the all spectrum antibiotic and then and then our body gets immune to it um, so it's the same thing with the horses it's just they push certain drugs and they make it harder to get the things that were you know was designed you know for us to use. So I still try to keep at least two bottles of penicillin because one it doesn't it doesn't really expire. So uh-huh. I know a couple of years ago when covid came out you could not get ivermectin and you could not get penicillin. Um it it took me months and when I finally did get it the distributor I got it from said that it was on backorder for eight months. So I was like, okay, well, then give me two, you know. So it, it's been difficult for me as a horse person and a and a dog person, you know, because, again, you know, growing up, you know, the thing was, hey, for heartworms, give your dogs ivermectin. And then when I got into the vet field, they were like, oh, no, that's bad. You can't do that. But here, let me rescue a dog that has heartworms, and now we're going to treat it with doxy and ivermectin. You know, there were so many contradictions, you know, or, oh, Advantage Multi is is not used to treat heartworms, but yet, you know, some of the older vets would prescribe that for a slow kill treatment. So there were so many, okay, well, you said this, but now you're allowing this. So it was hard to figure out what to believe and what not to believe. And a lot of these new flea and heartworm medications cause seizures and cause cancer and and all these they're able to sell it for more so they're going to keep doing that where it says you know hey you can treat them with ivermectin and here's your holistic ways of treating for fleas and ticks so um you know it, it's definitely impacted the world of of animals and i think the the last time i was up to date with it um one of the friends that still works at the vet clinic um and is a good friend of mine you know she was like Candace, just for a intestinal parasite screen, which is something super quick, super easy to do. You literally just take a fecal sample and you know, stick it under a microscope. It's charging like $80. And I'm like, there is no way.
1: You're on know, my microscope so for that. You know, <laughs> for something
3: yeah. like that, you know, especially as a practice manager, I'm like, yeah, but I used to get it at this cost or like this is how how much time it takes. So it's just, it's crazy to think about. Um, How much I think I got quoted this year now that I'm not working in the vet field and I don't have any um, discounts just to get traveler like let's just say I I took my dog in and I wanted to do just the basic full workup because he is active so that would be just you know just the pre health screen of blood work um, Mm -hmm. his vaccines if I was going to do those vaccines and then um, just some x-rays on his shoulders it was going to be eleven hundred dollars. And I'm thinking that's not even for six to 12 months of flea and heartworm medication. You know, that would be an additional $600. So for, you know, is this really what we need to do for our animals? And we already talked about how people don't bring their animals into the vet when they need help. Well, I don't have $1,600 laying around for their annuals if for what they require us to do nowadays. So Mm -hmm. it's just making it impossible. And there is, insurance is out there uh, but a lot of it is more hassle same with our insurance than it is it's just it's a way for them to make money you know here let me charge charge you $80 a month but before you take that dog in you have to call us first and wait on the line and get our approval and then we're probably going to look through your charts and figure out a way to not even take accept it (laughs) and then you're still stuck with the bill so I don't personally have insurance on my animals because I've seen it happen too many times where mm-hmm. you, they go in to use it and that insurance company's like, nah, we're not going to do it. So basically you're paying all this money each month.
1: And and, and they'll deny you company. anyway? <laughs> Great.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, wow, okay. So that's, that's my thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Well, let me ask Josh. Uh, in, in the in the post, you know, COVID world, the, what they're trying to engineer of this new normal. Uh, are they changing the way they do emergency relief up there? Are they are they running around with COVID vaccines for all the tornado victims, for example? Are you seeing any changes from from ways that uh, emergencies like this were handled previously? I'm just curious.
4: I like how you took that into a very dark place, my friend. No, uh, oh. no, dude, no it's Welcome so, it's not to really, Action Radio's different.
1: Dark Side. No, sorry. <laughs> hey, you want to hear Dark? I'll, show, I'll, I'll, I'll play you Dark. I'm, and I think I played this for Candace for a while, too. <laughs> Please go I, Dark. I, well, I made a prediction <laughs> before the 2020 election of what would happen, and I, I never thought that Brandon would be elected because, you know, how do you take some moron who was never popular at his best, you know, to be the most popular president, you know, probably, you know, ever, you know. So I made this before the election. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country.
4: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty wow. messed up. <laughs> but
1: that's what we do around here, yeah. So, so, um... Uh... <laughs> So so back up in Liberal Land. Um, now, actually, I don't know if folks know Illinois. I, I don't know it that well, but I do know you've got – people think it like Chicago is it. But you've got a big agricultural base down south. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, wheat and corn and other things that are grown in Illinois. Isn't, that, isn't agriculture your major state product?
4: You do realize that 96% of the entire state of Illinois, when it comes to agriculture, is family-owned.
1: I didn't know that, oh. but uh, this is why I ask you these questions. That's good. So yeah, I know. Is Archer Daniels Midland trying to buy you know all of that up, or what's going on? How are the family farms doing?
4: I don't know. I I own like three hundred acres of it. I'm not work. I don't. I can't save the rest of the state. <laughs> we have that's a, we have that's up a pretty north.
1: substantial amount. That's a, what, what do you do with your three hundred acres? That's pretty good.
4: Yeah, I'm actually. Profiting a little bit. <laughs> Good. I, I
1: don't know. My uh, focus, focus in here. <laughs> Come on, focus in now. No, hold on,
4: hold on. No, we're doing teamwork right now. Okay. Uh, the state of Illinois is based entirely off of the city of Chicago influencing the city of Springfield, which is the capital.
0: Right.
4: Nothing is going to get done until Chicago is shut down. We can easily sell them to Indiana or Wisconsin. What <laughs> Chicago? Yeah, what? Chicago. <laughs> yeah, we can sell them. We could even sell them as a satellite to Michigan because apparently they love that Uber stuff.
1: Well, let me ask you a question then. Now that you know, I mean, I-, I love to take the absurd and actually, uh, you know, make a point out of it. I wrote an article back in 2014 about city states where the big cities like Chicago or in California, where I wrote the article, um, you know, if you take Sacramento, San Francisco, San Diego, and Los Angeles, and you actually isolate them as a city-state within the state of California. So you'd have the state of California, and you'd have these city-states. These city-states would be self-funding, self-governing, self-destroying. Their transportation, their welfare, their education would all be funded within the city-state, and they'd leave the rest of the state alone. Uh, As far as congressional representation, the city-states would have their own congressional districts, you know, however many there were on the rural areas would have their own. Uh, You'd have two senators per state, one representing, you know, the city states and one representing all the rural areas. So in California, you know the, the the city states don't take up a lot of area, but they have most of the population. So by isolating the city states in Chicago, so if you can just imagine this, so Chicago would be isolated. It would be it would be it be in the state of Illinois, but it'd be pretty much cut off from Illinois. That you cross this border, this imaginary you know city limit border, where once you were in there. You'd be subject to their laws, their taxes. You still have the Constitution, but uh, you know all the, all the illegal gun control and all the illegal other stuff. Um, but just the cost you of You already know why was, that won't work. Well, I didn't say it was going to work. I just thought it was an interesting idea. Well, tell me why it won't work.
4: Okay. It's not going to work because the city of Chicago itself would fight to remain a part of the populace of Illinois. And the city of San Francisco and the city of L.A. and the city of New York and the city of Camden and the city of all these other freaking places, dude, you already know they're going to fight to remain members of the state that they're in.
1: Well, no, they would Washington be within the state. I'm just saying that they would be. I would just say they'd be self-governing and self-taxing. That everything else, I mean, they'd still be part of their state and part of the country and part of everything else. The difference would be that, like in San Francisco, they tax people way up in Reading um, for San Francisco's public transit system, even though people in Reading, unless they go to San Francisco, aren't going to use it. Well, that's not fair. So why should the, city, the cities draw from the entire rest of the state to fund them? People in the cities don't realize the only reason the cities exist is because the rest of the state trucks in stuff, grows their food, takes care of them, you know, creates the income, and does all the things that allow these cities to operate. And the cities in return contemptuously you know, take all that money and tell, and tell the rest of the state that they're actually getting, creating a benefit when they're really a cost. That's what I'm getting at.
4: Right, Greg. Your problem with your logic when it comes to the stuff is that you're trying to be logical. Of course. That's See, not you got to understand, operate. I don't
1: but I don't look at things about who's against it or whether they are working not. That's, that's not my concern.
4: No, 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 my no. My concern is I I appreciate I appreciate what you're saying entirely. You are okay. logical in your findings. Yes, mm-hmm. I appreciate that very much. That's mm-hmm. not how the states operate. the city oh, of Chicago, I'm, I'm not
1: here to talk about what is. I'm here to talk about what can be that's That's the whole purpose of the show.
4: oh Narnia so i don't okay, worry I don't I worry you.
1: about what is. So, so if you're going to deal only with what is and say that it, this is the only thing that can be, then obviously, you know, we're going to disagree on this here. And I don't mean the bad way. I just mean that we're just going to disagree, um, which is fine. I mean, I, you know, I love disagreement. But what I'm saying is I'm trying to, to look at things in terms of what can be, what should be, what could be, you know, with a little bit of change of attitude. So it's the attitude that has to change. When people say you can't pass, you know, vaccine product liability, you know, Congress will never, will never go for that. And I'm saying, well, what if we don't give them the option? What if the, the opposition is so great to big pharma that the population demands that they pass it? So so there's there's two ways of looking at things. You know, it's like we were talking about earlier with Candace. Who's the crazy person? The person that goes to the job they can't stand, retires, and dies, or the person that rides horses in the rain? To me, it's a no-brainer. Candace, <laughs> what do you yeah, think?
3: Yeah.
1: I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you
4: brought Candace on this. How you doing,
1: Candace? <laughs> well, it's her report. I'm just, I'm just kind of hanging here, so you know, she gets an hour a week. I, uh,
3: I, I always like the challenge when people say, oh, you can't do it, you know. But I'm also a dream chaser too, so, you know, like, like for instance, you know, my friends were over the other day and we were talking about rodeos and I went out and, and rode the mechanical bull at Wild Gregg's the other day and tried my hand at line dancing since I haven't done that in four years and uh-huh. now I have the brilliant. Yeah, You know, when I was younger, I really wanted to actually get on a bull, you know, and, and ride. And so mm-hmm. uh, I told my friends and some clients the other day, I said, y'all are going to hate me, but I think I'm going to actually do that. Like, I think I'm going to find a... Why not? There's a branch I, out here and hole that apparently allows people to do it. And I'm like, why not? I live I live life once, you know. I want to say, hey, yeah, I, I got in that chute and I rode the bull. Not a mechanical bull, like a real-life bull. You know, I, I want to see. And then um, yeah. I actually... You don't have to ask, right?
1: (laughs) Do you you have training bulls? Do you have training bulls? Do you work your way up? I mean, how does this? How do do you do this?
3: Uh, Well, I mean, obviously, Greg, I'm not that stoic to get on the biggest bull of all. (laughs) I'm just curious. (laughs) The name for myself, so I'm probably going to try to start small, you know, like the smaller um, size versus full size bulls, and then uh, they Uh they do have, and I don't. I don't know a lot about the clinics I'm researching that now, but um, there's one in Texas I thought about doing next year. And I I figured if anything, it's just going to make me a better writer, you know? Uh So, um, next year I'll do the ranch Brock clinic and i looking at that. They start you on mechanical, mechanical bulls or mechanical machines first. And then you go to the, by the end of the clinic, you're on a real life Brock course, um, and doing it. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes, you know, but we, we only get to live life once once, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to be the person that, that runs in the rain or does the opposite of what the people that think they're normal do. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Most people don't regret what they do. They regret what they didn't do. So, uh, and as one who has, you know, flown in, uh, done aerobatics and uh, biplanes that were open cockpit and seen the world upside down hanging by shoulder straps, I can tell you it's real fun. You know, and I'd rather do that than not do that. Uh, and if I fell yeah. out, I just pulled a ripcord. You know, I mean, there's a problem. Pilots said, okay, we're 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 dumping out of here. All right. Well, I don't really want to, but <laughs> given the other choice, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, let's go. Um, so you always want to err on the side of, of let's do rather than let's not do. But the bull riding sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how'd you do on the mechanical bull?
3: Well, I think I did good. My friends were like, everybody else gets slung off, and you're just like, eh, I'm bored with it. And I just, I step off. So <laughs>
0: I mean, mm-hmm. Well, Christy, my horse is still long. I stepped long. off
3: both times. Yeah. You know, the guy looked at me and told me to get back on there, so I got back on there, rode it for about 45 seconds, and stepped off again. I was like, okay, there's my eight seconds. <laughs> did,
1: did he max it out? Did they max out the controls?
3: No, no, they they took it pretty easy on me. I mean, I, I it's been years since I've been on a mechanical bull, but I feel like looking back at the the video that my friend took, I was like. Ah, oh, They could have done harder on me than that, you know, but
1: you got to request it the, was at, you know, the, the out e-ride. You know,
3: it e- was that a bar. So I'm sure yeah. that they have to keep it easy for, you know, the people that get on. And I was a little tipsy, too. I think I haven't Uh-oh. drank in a while that a fireball caught up to me. So, you yeah. know, it, it is what it is. I was like, okay, we'll see if we can do this tipsy or not. So I still, I still came off without hitting the ground. So that makes me That's happy.
1: Good. I wrote I'm a mechanical.
3: Laughing at myself, so
1: <laughs> I wrote one once, and I made the mistake Handle that of, like I, a I,
3: gentlewoman.
1: Uh, I go ahead, Josh, and then I'll I get my story. I, mean, I want to hear Josh. Uh, no, no, yeah.
4: I just said handle. I, I, no, go ahead. I, I was just saying handle that like a gentlewoman. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the only, my claim to fame was, was I got thrown off fairly early when I did it, but I made the mistake of riding a jet ski when jet skis first came out. And mm-hmm. the thing, you know, and we stood on it and I fell off and I got on. I was exhausted, right? But the vibration, they, uh, my, my, all my leg muscles had vibrated so much from this jet ski that had no strength left. And then they said, let's – you know, it was like uh, we're down – I think it's spring break, right? So we're doing all the crazy things um, at that time. And then I hopped on this bull, and I got thrown off. And the guy said, you're a wimp. I said, how do I explain? No, I've just been riding a jet ski. I don't have any leg muscles left. You know, you can't do that because, you know, <laughs> it's a dude thing, right? So they laughed at me. Anyways, okay, fine. So I have to get back on when I have not been on a jet ski and actually uh, I'll try this. But I love challenges like that. You know, in fact, yeah. we have our, our, our Stand Your Ground uh, – uh Gun range here in milton um that uh I just got my archery stuff back out and uh you know cleaned up and my new arrow rest and so i 'll be doing some archery and they have axe throwing and all these kind of cool things you gotta try everything you know and yeah. it, and it's, yep. it, and don't let your age limit you either you know so uh so that that uh yeah, and anyway, we've got a couple minutes left um josh any good stories of things you've tried or want to try now that we're pushing the boundaries here
4: um I, I tried a crossbow like two months ago.
1: Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, that yeah, good.
4: high PSI. It was It was actually pretty sweet. Yeah. So no. the thing Other crossbow, than that, no.
3: I, I tried a mm-hmm. crossbow. The first time I shot a crossbow was two years ago, and then this year I do hunt. Um, and this year, I, you know, it was cool shooting it, but <laughs> not, I've made the decision if I'm going to hunt in bow season i'm going to use a regular bow or compound bow because it, the cross that just goes the psi is so high it it's not like a a normal shot on a deer so un, unfortunately like i have to live with that that i shot one and it went straight through them and we couldn't find it before dark so mm-hmm. um i've learned that cross is cool and i'm sure it has its benefits and i'm not an avid hunter like like a lot of other people, but I personally probably will not use a crossbow ever again as far as hunting goes. Now, just to go out there and shoot, it was it was sweet, you know, like watching how easy it is. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't hunt with it again. I don't think not not at the twenty thirty yard line like you normally do with a with a regular bow. Or maybe I need to learn to shoot not where I was taught to shoot, which was right there on the shoulder. So, um, and I've heard that from several people too um, that has had the opportunity to, sh- to hunt with them that it, it's just not you got to know where to shoot them um, with a crossbow it's a little bit different than
2: a gun and a regular bow.
1: Well crossbows are actually banned in Europe as, as a cruel and unusual mm-hmm. war weapon You know, back you know mm-hmm. four or five hundred years ago so crossbows are, are, are deadly incredibly fast and very powerful and extremely accurate that, that's what they were invented for um, in fact yep. uh, Marco said, from the Netherlands has two crossbows which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. because you can't have guns there, Marco. <laughs> we, got, we got we got to talk about doing that. I want to start instituting uh, Second Amendment, you know, uh, campaigns in in European countries. So that's going to be really hard to do. Um, I've got CJ on the you're line. Gonna, you're going to need
4: to you're going to need to aim behind the left arm.
1: Yeah,
4: it, it hit him in the heart. Okay, I apologize.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> We'll have to piece our conversations together here. But the point is, anyway, so I've got uh, CJ. I want, I'm going to just play one thing for for a minute here, and we're going to switch over to wellness stuff. But, uh, Candice, anything else? Uh, uh, contact information, um, events coming up. you got the rodeo. We should probably talk about that. I want to get to, uh, you know, and especially if you ride a bull, I want videos. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. I might <laughs> even do it myself. I don't yeah. know. You know, who knows? I
3: mean, uh, another story going back into it that um, uh-huh. just popped back to my mind, Loretta Lynn's Ranch So I rode out there in 2020. And that was actually the last time that I was on a mechanical bull and um, there was probably 15 of us. And I mean, we're all good. It wasn't like going to the mechanical bull at at the fair or at a bar. I mean, we were all actively there riding our horses. So that was pretty cool to watch. But Mm -hmm. I do know that um, my friend, there was two of us. One guy was a bull rider. And that's what he did for a profession. And then there was me and my friend paid me to get back on because I almost outdid him, so we were going back and forth and talking about your legs after that jet ski, after that second time on that bull, let me tell you, I was like, okay, like I did, mm-hmm. I could not do this back to back to back, so, but fun, fun memory that kind of just popped up, but as as far as um, I will not be entering no rodeo, it'll just be a practice pin if I do it um, there in Holt, but I'll be sure to send videos once that comes to life for me, but um, I don't have any big events coming up. I I will continue doing my trail rides up until the very end of May. Um, Times might change. I normally, right now, I'm doing them at 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., but I'm probably going to do them earlier in the morning or later in the evening as it starts getting hotter. Um, And then I will not be doing trail rides from June to August. So my season for trail rides will end the end of May and they will not open back up until the beginning of September. Um, So if people want to trail ride with me, they need to let me know. And again, my information is Believe the Journey Horse Services. You can find me on Facebook. You can look me up on social media as far as TikTok and Instagram under Cowgirl Candace. And my phone number is 850-293-9261. And I also have a website that you can look up, Believe the Journey. Or you can look up horse rides in Milton, and I think I'm the first person that pops up.
1: Hmm. The only thing about a phone number is if you get a call from, like, Azerbaijan or or Sri Lanka or Cuba or any of the places that were heard in the world, don't be surprised. (laughs) Just to to let you know about that. Um, Okay. You're all welcome to stick around. Josh, you're welcome to stay. Candace, you're welcome to stay. But if you have to go, I understand. And just, uh, you know, leave it in. It's like like a Zoom call. Just kind of take off at any time. I'm going to play this um, just so we're – let folks know what we do here, and then we're going to come back with CJ. And we're going to talk about wellness. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Okay, so I got CJ on the line. We're going to talk wellness. Josh, I'm just going to mute you for a little bit and uh, see how our conversation goes and uh, bring you back in. And uh, Judy's still on the line. And uh, then across the top of the next hour, things are going to get really exciting around right here. Not that they're not exciting with CJ, but they're going to get really exciting. We've got uh, Ed Dowd, uh, who is one of those amazing people, nationally known, internationally known um, folks for his book. Um, I, keep forgetting. I should actually really memorize this, uh, but I keep forgetting the name of it. Uh, Cause Unknown. There we go. Uh, it's his book talking about the epidemic of sudden deaths, you know, in and 2021. So
5: CJ, how you doing? Hi. Good morning. Good morning. I caught a little bit at the end of your show about a crossbow or something. I caught like the last, like one minute of the show.
1: Yeah, you, you can't do that. This, you, you, this is why I don't always bring people. I used to bring people on. It's like, what do you think of that? Like, I just got here. <laughs> you know, anyway, so yeah, ah! I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting better about that. But yeah, so you never know what we're going to talk about here. You know, so, so Candace says Believe the Journey uh, Horse uh, Services. She's at the Horse Ranch and does trail rides, and of course I'll be joining her on that. Um, probably if not by May, certainly in the fall. Uh, more likely in the fall though, just because I'm, I'm like, you could be busy these days with the show. Um, but uh, let's, tell, let's tell your story a little bit. So so uh, what you're working on, what you're doing, what, um, what's, what's your wellness well, specialty, and then we can talk about anything you want to talk about. Well, one of
5: the things I was thinking that we could talk about as far as wellness goes, just because it seems like I've had this conversation um, recently here multiple Mm -hmm. times this week, is is our morning coffee. Um, Mm. As as I'm sipping on it, as as we are talking, but this was not the first thing that I had this morning. So um, I think maybe there's some things around, you know, first first morning routines, you know, that we can touch on briefly. And then I know um, it's Easter week. And I think that there's, you know, focusing on a lot of things right now, um, as you've already had on your show, that we can be grateful for during this Easter season and what we can look forward to over the next couple of days. I think it's, you know, I think it's really important, not just, you know, what we're putting into our mouths, our physical, you know, body, but a lot of our emotional and mental state has all to do with the, the way our body responds. As as well, and I know when we're in such a trying season, and this whole week that's been a debacle. Um, sometimes, you know, and and I'm right there with everybody. I'm I'm no exception to the rule. I think, you know, making sure our mental and emotional state and what we're reading and what we're feeding into ourselves, you know, is is something that's going to help us and not hinder us, without being naive to what's going on around us, you know, or being in denial or anything like that. I think it's so important to find a healthy, a healthy, a healthy balance, you know, um, and, and finding ways to constructively manage the external stimulus stuff that we have no control over, right? Because there's so many things we have control over and then there's so many things that we do not. So it's a matter of how are we going to manage those? Um, because managing those uh, affects our physical being.
1: Yeah, I just see in the news particularly, uh, people, uh, you know, they say, well, I'm disappointed in the news or I'm stressed out because of the news, all the bad things that are happening. And I'm like, well, why are you watching the news? Well, I have to watch the news. I have to be informed. So there's this, uh, there's this strange dichotomy going on here that people feel compelled to watch the news because society says they have to be informed. On the other hand, they don't like what they're hearing because it makes them feel bad. So is, is, do you see that kind of stress in people?
5: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, I'm not a news person. However, you know, because of all the different facets of my life that I that I do on a daily basis, every once in a while I do tune into mainstream media just to be able to put things on Telegram or different, you know, different resources that I have. So I know, okay, what is the reality and what are the lies that the media is, is feeding us? So you know, I do tune in every once in a while, but I'm not one of those people where first thing in the morning I get up, turn the TV on, and it's on 24-7 on some baloney mm-hmm. that's just feeding us a vision, right, as far as what we want to know. But um, so that's what I mean. I think, I think we have to have a, ha- a healthy balance with all the things because that feeds into ev- everything else, you know, and then having mm-hmm. a great morning routine um, that's going to, help you get your day started rather than hind- hindering you is very important.
1: Yeah. I've unmuted Josh, cause I think this might be a, a good, you know, like a general discussion that we're going to have here. So feel free to uh, uh, join us uh, a bit here. Um, but morning routines, let's talk about that because mornings, you know, that's just, you know, I don't know, I don't know what my evening routine is other than playing rock and roll guitar and, you know, getting to the show ready and things like that. But mornings, mornings are kind of special. And if you upset, uh, Josh, your line's a little loud. Let me just meet you again. So it's will just kind of, or, you know, there we go. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll bring you back on in a bit. But um, if people don't get their morning started, it really screws up their whole day. Whereas if your evening sucks, at least you go to sleep and you can start again the next morning. But uh, morning right. coffee, even if you don't like coffee, just but the ritual. And I've heard it said that it's not, the, it's not the coffee or the caffeine necessarily. It's the fact that you're drinking something warm and it kind of warms you up. And, you know, sort of like our, our old loser days, like sitting on the hot rock, you know, the blood gets going. And uh, so yeah. how important are these things? How important is a ritual? How well, important is it's, drinking it's something warm? And, you know, yeah.
5: Well, it's it's very important, but it's not just that. There's a lot more that goes around because a uh, coffee can be actually de- detrimental. You know, whether it's caffeinated, decaf, you know, whatever. You got to make sure you should be drinking a low acid coffee or an alkaline coffee or a coffee that does, does not have you know mold and all the toxins and things like that in it. Mold but you're going to get
1: a, a Starbucks. Okay, you get moldy moldy coffee. Horrible. How do you know if you have moldy coffee?
5: There, Ugh. There's tons of stuff that's in the beans. Um, oh, that that's just. I mean, we can get. We could get into the whole science, but I'd love to go through. Like the morning routine, your first okay. thing in your mouth should not be coffee in the morning. Uh huh. Um, what should it be? And well, most people have. Well, I at night, I keep water by my bed all night long. That's just been something I've grown up with. Some people do, some people don't. But I want to backpedal a little bit. Um, going into germs and things that you're putting in your mouth, most people don't know that in the morning before you even take a sip of water, you should be rinsing your mouth out with peroxide or using a tongue scraper or something like that. Cause you have all the bacteria that builds up in your mouth just when you're sleeping. I mean, that's normal, right? There's not, there's nothing abnormal about that. that bacteria builds up in mm-hmm. your mouth on your tongue while, while you're sleeping. So if you mm-hmm. take a sip of coffee, water, I don't care what you're, taking a sip up, and the first thing in the morning mm-hmm. you're, you're putting you're repurposing that bacteria going back into your body oh so what, so what you want to do in the morning is you either want to take um, I'm not I like a mouthwash but I'm not necessarily a proponent of that first but taking peroxide and just gargling washing your mouth out spitting it out or just taking water rinsing it around and still using a tongue scraper um, and scraping off all that bad bacteria that's still up in the evening because then you're not re-swallowing it. Um, and that's I'm really I'm never going to wake up really the
1: really same. Uh, you, you've ruined my mornings. I'm never going to wake up the same now. I think I have to scrape my tongue. <laughs> that's, that's not how I expected this conversation to go, CJ.
5: <laughs> well, well, well it's, it's bacteria. You know, I start off with like most people have coffee, but I'm like, I better backpedal a, a, a little bit. You know, oh, and I'm so glad you did. Don't do that, Thank you. You know, <laughs> um, but that's just. And, and I mean, again, right? How many, how much, how many, what's the percentage of population that probably does that? Probably very little, but it's a good thing to know because if you know it, you can choose to do it or not do it, right? So if you look at your tongue in the morning, before you put anything in your mouth, you know, you nine times out of ten, you're going to see a film or something on it. I mean, that's just part of the process of what happens when you're sleeping. So think about it. If you take a drink of something, regardless, you're just uh-huh. washing all that bacteria back down through you. So if you if you scrape your tongue using a, a tongue scraper that you can order online, or right. you rinse your mouth out with a peroxide or not not just a good flavored peppermint something that tastes good, right? You can do that afterwards. But something that's really going to kill the bacteria on your tongue. And sometimes, depending on the individual person. Um, Using just a gargle mouthwash that you go and buy at CVS or the best high quality gargle mouthwash, it's going to do something It's better than nothing, but still taking something and scraping your tongue off all that nasty film that's on in your mouth, that's a big, 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 big plus to do that. Um, you know people it, use Let me ask Josh if he it.
1: does this. that. Uh, Josh, have you ever heard this before? I got your line live now.
5: Uh, no, sir, I've never heard of
1: that before. Okay. We're breaking new ground here.
5: Yeah.
1: We're scraping new ground here. <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah. Um, and you know, So I if so, a, let, a, let me ask you a really disgusting one.
1: question. Can I ask you a disgusting question? Yep. So if we took this bacteria sure. that we scraped off our tongue and put it in a petri dish, what are we going to find the next day?
5: Good question. Probably lots of nastiness.
1: I'm just curious, but isn't our body yeah, isn't mean, our body evolved that, but... to 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 handle that nastiness? Don't our good bacteria that attack yeah, the bad bacteria? What's that?
5: Yeah, but I said
4: no, no ask I me. All
1: right, Josh, go ahead. Well,
4: okay. and... no, no, I no, you have to have a sense of humor about that. <laughs> no.
1: Okay, just curious. All right.
4: Everything, everything, everything at all times. Yeah. Okay. No, that's all. It is. All
1: right.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Let me um. Put you back on hold for a little bit here. All right, um, CJ. So yeah, I'd just be curious. I mean, has anybody done this? Have you done this? Well, I Well, just I'm just thinking. You know, <laughs> if this is bad, then why? You know, don't yeah. our doesn't the bad bacteria get uh, you know killed off by our good bacteria? Do, don't do we have defenses against this?
5: It depends on your microbiome in your gut. I mean, it's oh. it, not not most people don't have good gut health. Okay. You know. Um so so again that just depends but if you wake up with that film on your on your tongue in the morning that bacteria that has accumulated overnight so it just makes sense why do you want to swallow it so that's a really good just a health hygiene tip um hmm. that I have I have used for you know quite quite some time now and there are different I mean people, sometimes people will just use a toothbrush and you know brush off their tongue and that's okay Um, but if you actually have something that can scrape all that nasty stuff off before you swallow it all back into your digestive tract. I mean, and these are things, like I said, as I give these little tips, these are things that people themselves can look up, you can Google it, you can duck, duck, go it, you can whatever, and you'll find the benefits. And that's why I said, you know, nine times out of ten, most people don't do this, right? And so these are just additional little tips that can help you with your hygiene in in the morning. And then most people get up and drink their coffee, um, I would think, um, first thing in the morning, or they've got the percolator or the curing or whatever set so it's ready for when they come down. Well, um, you should be having lemon and or lemon and lime water first thing in the morning um, because that really helps to flush out the lymphatic system and the toxins and stuff like that first thing in the morning it really helps mm. the digestive tract it really like think about when you prime a wall and you paint it right a lot of paint right. has primer in it you have to buy the primer first and then you paint if you do lime water um and you can do lime and lemon but lime is lime is lime is key because it has a different um uh it has different components in it than than a lemon does, but lemon is good too. So sometimes I'll do both, sometimes I just do a lime. Is drinking that, you know, eight ounces of lime water for the morning, which really helps to you prime your body to receive nutrients, to flush out the lymphatic system and get your body ready ready for the day. So that's why this topic kind of on me because when we just start tra- started this call is when I had my coffee and I got up at seven this morning, so I did all my other routine things first before mm-hmm. I had my coffee.
1: Um, yeah, I actually so, slept until you know, five you know, because I have uh, I started the show an hour later today because we have a, have a have a have a guest at the top of the next hour, which uh, I'm very much looking forward to. So that's interesting. Okay, well, yeah. huh? So how about Easter? How, how then, does, uh, it, do you want to talk holiday stress, or, or you had more stuff? Go ahead continue.
5: Yeah, I wanted to elaborate a little bit on that, and then we can go into um, Easter, because all these different things kind of mm-hmm. will, will help you, and then making sure, I mean, all coffee's not created equal, so uh,
1: that's you for should sure. be
5: looking for a, a clean, I mean, we can do a whole detailed topic on that, you know, at, at some point or next week or something, but you know, there there are about two coffees that I personally recommend to my clients that I know are clean, and you can buy like low alkaline coffee, you know, in the Keurig things. I mean, you can look all over the place for them, but that doesn't test for mold factors. That doesn't test for toxins. That does. It just says it's low acid. So for anybody that is super um, proactive with doing whatever they can do with their health, you know, having a super clean coffee, whether it's caffeinated or not, um, it's a, it's a pretty big deal, especially for avid coffee drinkers. Now, I, I am a one cup in the morning. Maybe if I'm working at night, I'll have another cup. Um, and because I use coffee that has green tea caffeine, it does not keep me up at night. So the other tip is that all caffeine is not created equal. If you go to get Dunkin' Donuts coffee, that's commercial caffeine, which is really bad. If you drink a Coke, that's commercial caffeine. If you're drinking green tea caffeine, green tea is completely different um than commercialized ca- caffeine so do they add
1: caffeine factors. do they when you say commercialized caffeine when you say commercialized, ca- commercialized uh, caffeine do these companies actually add they add caffeine to their products yeah you know, especially like the, the yeah. energy drinks i know they add a ton of it what's what's the what Correct. does that do for for them what does it do for or against us adding extra caffeine and as opposed to the natural caffeine well, that we know that we know right. ca- coffee has a bunch of caffeine but uh if it's right. natural if it grows with a plant, it's different than than the extra stuff. Right. I mean, why would they do that? Why would they need to add the extra?
5: Well think about it. You've got man made synthetic stuff all the all the time. You know, it's just like all the right. sugars, right, that we've had that we've had conversations about. So, you know, not all caffeine is bad, but again, if you're getting it from green tea, it's different than man made synthetic caffeine. So uh, you know, I think I had mentioned this like one time. I found out that I could not have commercial caffeine the hard way. I went to a wedding like oh, I want to say 15 years ago, maybe. And I thought I was getting a cup of decaffeinated coffee. And it had bean in it, I literally thought I was going to have a heart attack. Like, like, it was so bad. That's how, like, like, really, my heart was racing that bad. Like, I had a major incident, which I won't get into. And I was like, son of a birch snuckers. I was like, that's the, that is the cat, the caffeine. And so I Uh realized that I can only have green tea caffeine in the morning, and then, like I said, if I'm working at night, I have my special coffee that I drink, and I can uh-huh. have it at ten o'clock at night if I'm working on the computer, and it doesn't keep me up. you know, I can then go to bed at midnight and sleep till seven um, so going seven can hours yeah. Wow.
1: I don't. I don't think the last time I slept seven hours. You know, if I get six, I'm doing well. Actually, any more than that, I tend to get groggy. I, I don't like sleeping more than six. Maybe six and a half. But to, so anything seven or more, I, and I'm I'm already getting that actually slows me down, which is kind of interesting. Hmm.
5: But so hmm. yeah, so I think you know, setting up your morning routine to get uh-huh. you started the right way in the morning. You know, it's key, and, and, and we won't go into this topic because we have so much, I feel like, to talk about this to lead down so many things, and we can put table and okay. topic for another time. It's just like you should have an evening routine, right? Oh. Everybody should have an evening routine, which makes it, rather than just watching a movie and falling asleep on the, on the, in the lounge chair, you know, you should have a calming routine um, before you go to bed, whether that's a two-minute routine or a ten-minute r- routine, well, it's about know? an hour and a half um, of
1: live guitar playing is what I do, and it, re- it really relaxes yeah. me. I feel quite quite comfortable after. It's like, yeah, I'm calmed down. I've had right. my guitar playing. Well,
5: yeah, whatever works works for you. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, right. you know, but like a healthy, uh, uh, a, a a more um, oh gosh, what's the word I want to use? Um, a non healthy or better choice in the evening would be you know, wanting to fall asleep at 11. So at 1045, eating two slices of pizza and two beers and then falling asleep between 1045 and 11 right after you, ch- you know, that's like, really? You want to do that right before you go to bed? You know, now every once in a while, twice a year, if that something like that happens, you know what I'm saying. But it's, it's mm-hmm. the general rule of thumb, the 80-20. So having a, having a morning routine that's going to help to wake you up, getting the right, vitamins and nutrients and you know starting with the correct hygiene in the morning um, again just to be as proactive as as, as possible to do these things um, it, it certainly helps it, it doesn't hurt and then making wiser caffeinated choices if you're so inclined to hmm. to do so because there's nothing wrong with with natural caffeine
1: well, that's what I was because it's been around for a long time and we, we humans adapt to all kinds of things. Um, but what happens to your body when you have food at night? Does it just, like sit there until morning or, or does it get digested overnight or what does what, your body do?
5: Your body I'm works curious. extra hard at night. extra hard. Oh. At night, cause I don't know if any of the viewers have ever seen your, your video and, and I'm not promoting my lifestyle on anybody else because I think you guys have heard of it. I'm mostly a vegetarian but I do eat fish um, so I'm not saying one is better than the other. Um, it's it's all whatever you want to do, but when you eat certain foods, especially uh-huh. late at night, they really just sit in your gut, and it takes a long time for them to go through the digestive process. And since your body does a lot of its repair work at night, you know, that having, having your body work hard at night while you're sleeping is kind of contradictory to what it's supposed to be rebuilding at night when you're, when you're sleeping and repairing itself. So huh. Um, that's why a lot of times you'll hear people say, you know, don't eat two or three hours before you go to bed. Well, hence most people sit, sit up and watch a movie and eat popcorn and peanuts or, you know, snack all night long. And I've been guilty <laughs> of that. I mean, I've been guilty of that every, every once in a while, you know, myself, but I don't make it a, you know, a habit, you know, and the things that I'm snacking on, I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat some, you know, cut up apple or, you know, I mean, you know, the choices too, but you But that's just a general rule of um, thumb that your body is supposed to rest, repair, and heal itself at night when you're sleeping if you're in that REM sleep. Whereas if you are downloading it with, you know, all the things two hours before you go to bed, your body's in work mode and not rest mode.
1: Okay. I I mean,
5: your body's working when you're asleep, but it's supposed to be in, you know, repair mode in regenerating mode, not not running a marathon. You know what
1: I'm saying? So, What I try to do is, 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 you know, in my intermittent fasting, you know, try to be done by noon with, with food until the next morning, which uh, makes me very hungry about that's 9 right. o'clock at night. Um, but uh, yep. that's just – but it, it works. I don't know why it works. It works for water. Afternoon, it's just, you know, water. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I understand having a lot with you. Okay. Very cool
5: yeah so that definitely sets it up, and you know, taking us into you know the easter the Easter routine, I think well, not even just Easter, but again, with the season and stuff that we are in is having that devotional time, having that quiet time or prayer time or whatever you do, right, um and making sure that you're trying to focus on some of the positive things um that we have going on right now rather than all of the negative things. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard because, like I said, um, I'm no exception to the, to the rule by any by any means. So I think that that's so, so important there to think about all the things that we are grateful for. And, I mean, like your radio show, you know what I mean? All the positive things that have come out of the debacle. And even this week that we have had, you know, mm-hmm. up to up to now, you know finding the silver linings and things and not always looking at the the gloom and doom you know and especially this week you know when we think about what what this Easter weekend truly means you know if if you are a believer and you have faith it's honing in on those things and um that to give a lot of people a lot of reassurance
1: Hmm. So, how do you see the parallels this week? I you mean know, I think I talked about this how with Wendy uh, yesterday. What's that?
5: Well, yeah, like I said, Beep. you guys went over that, and I don't want
1: um, oh, to. i was talk. curious. Your take Well, you don't have to. Obviously, I mean, but I'm just curious. I think it, I think so, how does a lot of
5: parallels to the to the Easter okay. to the Easter story with what happened right. with, with with Trump and what is happening? Um, uh-huh. And you know, depending on which you know, if you're talking about Israel timeline, if you're talking about how the cabal has kind of changed our timeline with things in the Bible and the way the events took place mm-hmm. um, with Jesus, you know, and Palm, Palm Sunday and Good Friday and the resurrection, all all the things. I think no matter how you slice it or which day you believe what happened, as far as the details, which is very important, if you take the, the crux of it, right, mm-hmm. the meat and potatoes, bottom line, The way I see it, there are so many parallels with what happened to Trump. You know, when I saw when, um, and I'm just thinking so I get it right, I guess when he was going into the courtroom or leaving, you know, he didn't say a word. Remember, they expected him to talk about statements. Uh, Oh, that was when they supposedly were going to fingerprint him or whatever. And, you know, we don't even know for a fact what they did behind those closed doors. They could have said, hey, mm-hmm. we're doing this for office. We're taking you back there. You know, no, there was no mugshot. We don't even know if they did a, a fingerprint, you know, um, we don't know what the pantomime was or how real, like we, we don't know. We only know what we have seen and heard, but we really don't know. Um, and so there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of, um, you know, get guesses, but, everyone expected him to address the cameras when he came out with that look on his face, I guess, (laughs) when they were picking him in that room. And, and I won't forget that, you know, and he said nothing, you know, and I think about how Jesus, you know, during the process, you know, there were times when he spoke and there were times when he was silent, you know? And so, um, and I remember, on i think it was instagram well it had to be since i've been kicked off facebook right that's been a year now um i posted something i posted the scripture you know forgive them father for they know not what they do Mm -hmm. and even though it's been hard for me to pray for these evil son of a you know what and these (laughs) bastards you know i have to think about it it's it's kind of like I just have to repeat scripture or say things because human being, and I'm not God, I'm not Jesus, and I have a tough time with it. I'm just going to be real. And, you know, if I lied, he already knows I'm lying. So, you know, I got a tough I got a tough time with it. Even, again, whether we believe some of this is pantomime or it's real or whatever your take is on it, right, it still is the event and the fact that, you know, it was kind of a, um, a crap show and a circus and all a bunch of BS and, you know, all the things. And you think about, uh, you know, the real criminals and you think about, you know, who was on the cross besides Jesus. Right. And yeah. Real criminals. He, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Right? Well,
5: what is what
1: is, the, what is the crime? The, the crime is challenging authority. Uh, you know, right. you look at the deep, the deep state. That's the real crime. I'm going to make Josh's look. Well, Josh, I'll give you a chance to talk in a bit here, so we'll just uh, think about it. I'll bring, make you live in a couple minutes, give you a chance to get ready. Um, but, uh, but but, the the real crime, the biggest crime, is going against the system. It's going against, uh, you know, what people expect of going against, as we talked earlier, what's normal. You know, if you don't do what's normal, then the normal people get upset, even though what the normal people are doing is totally crazy. Uh, it's the crazy right. people that are doing the normal stuff because we're happy, you know. Uh, and so, oh, so yeah. what, what did but Trump actually true. do? You know, what, what did he actually exactly. do for a crime? There, nothing, really, nothing. except try to make the country, country great. Right. So how do we live right. in a country? So, so here's a question for you. If you take a look at the national health versus the individual health, how can you be a healthy person in a sick nation? You know, and how does the, the health of the nation affect us you know, personally? And and so when uh, think back a couple of years when Trump was in power, you know, gas was $1.85 a gallon. We were happy and being an American, we were proud of being Americans. You know, it was great. You know, we were sticking to the Europeans and making them pay their bills. And we, uh, you know, and Trump met with uh, Kim Jong-il in North Korea and uh, they actually talked and he crossed the border. And, you know, he went to Saudi Arabia and danced with a bunch of guys with swords, you know, and, and the Secret Service went crazy. And, and, just amazing. and we had the Abraham Accords and all these incredible things happened. We were happy. We were happy, were right. Except, of course, the well, deep state was miserable, but, uh, but we the, general, the, the average American was really happy. So when the nation's happy, you know, the people are happy in that nation. Now it's, you know, the, the deep state's happy because they have all the power and control, or so they think, uh, and the rest of us are miserable. So it, we have, and I've said this before on the show, but it's been a while, that uh, the deep state is, is happiest when the people are miserable, and the deep state is miserable when the people are happy. Well, that's not, that's not a healthy situation for a nation.
5: No, no. And, you know, that statement that you made um, about how can you try to be healthy in a you know, non-healthy world, however you, you said it perfectly, whatever you just said. <laughs>
1: well, we'll check the podcast. I don't even it, remember it because it was, it was, things go out of my head it, so it, fast.
5: I mean, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. And, you know, the other statement that you made is what did Trump do wrong and what, quote, unquote, authority. And who is authority? The last time I looked, Jesus Christ was the only authority and the word is the word. There is no other authority. So mm-hmm. when you when – you, and it goes back to us you know, people like myself, you know, when we questioned authority and said, no, we're not wearing these masks. We're not mm-hmm. doing this. And we, mm-hmm. and, we, and, we, and we, you know, and so, you know, even though you see all the podcasters and all the people, if you think, and, and I'm not even calling the numbers correctly, but if you have a thousand people that said, no, I'm not wearing a mask, I'm not doing this. Well, mm-hmm. you have millions of people who, who, who did wear a mask, right? So even if the numbers are large on people, and in, in in reality the people who went against the grain is still smaller so you know it goes back to what we were talking about about Jesus you know he was like i didn't do anything wrong you know i, I he didn't commit commit a crime he was really speaking speaking truth on on mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of god the father right he was doing right. what he was told to do mm-hmm. you know and so who's he going to listen to right Because who's the real authority in your life? It's almost um, honestly like with you and I. That's a good point. If you felt if you felt a calling, right, to do a radio show, or I felt a calling to do a podcast, you know, and I don't get paid to do a lot of what I do, I can either choose to be obedient to what I know is the right thing to do, or Mm -hmm. I can, you know, do do something else. so when you go back to this week being Easter and looking at what happened to Trump, and I believe that Trump has been anointed, you know, because if he was not, he'd have been, he'd have been just a long time ago, you know? So um, I believe that he does have the calling on on his life, you know, and, and what whatnot. So that's why I think there are so many parallels that are going to continue through today, through tomorrow. And, you know, who knows what the next coming, coming days have in store as we all are kind of sitting on pins and needles to see what what's going to happen in this earthly An- world?
4: Anointed?
1: That's Josh in Illinois. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. Yes, ma'am. Uh, anointed?
5: Yes, I think he has the calling of God on, on him. And he's had the hedge of protection. No, no,
4: that that's not what the word No anointed means clean.
5: Well, I think he has the I think he has been called. So maybe I used the wrong word. But I think he's got that covering of the Lord over him. You know, that hedge of protection. Um, that he has a certain calling on his life that if he would not he he like I said, they the the bad guys would have gotten him a long time ago.
1: Josh, did you have a comment on that?
4: Yeah, Trump, Trump has, um, a certain, he has a certain has uh, a certain vitriol when it comes to people yeah, in America. besides that,
1: let's let's look, forget the perception so much. But but what, what has he actually done that was such a crime that uh, the perception is that uh, you know he's a Nazi, homophobe, you know whatever it is they call him.
0: No, you know, but
1: he actually didn't do anything. So what? So why? Why does he represent such a threat to to this you know particular population that wants to control everybody? And you said something said to just a minute ago. I'm trying to remember what it was because things you know they kind of rush in on my head here real quickly. But oh, what, um,
5: what, what you know. go ahead. Jesus, what, what threat did Jesus um, show?
1: Exactly. I'm sorry.
5: I mean, if you answer that question, it's kind of again, in my opinion, mm-hmm. same thing, right?
1: Yep.
4: I, I can't. I'm sorry. What did you just say?
1: I guess your line's a little quiet, CJ, just a bit. So that's that's part the, of the the issue, is yeah. Well, go I say it again, and then we'll uh, we'll get Josh's opinion. Then we'll. I said
5: if, here. You, if you think about, yeah. you know, uh-huh. when you when you said, well, what crime has Trump committed? Well, ask yourself, well, what what crime did Jesus commit, and why were they trying to silence him?
4: Okay, that's two different things. I was asking. I was asking earlier. Kid, uh, and you said uh, that might not have been the right word. Uh, what crime did Trump commit? I don't know, but I would not compare that to Jesus. That's <laughs> not worth it. Uh, Trump continued stuff in Syria, stuff in Yemen. I don't know. He he's not. His hands are not clean. Let's just say that. Can we agree on that?
1: No, think, not at all, <laughs> but that's okay. No,
5: I think, I think, I think the only, I, I I think we might have to agree to disagree on this. What I can agree with you on is that Trump is human. Trump is not Jesus. I mean, he is human, right? So if we are living, breathing flesh and human, we have all fallen short. We've all committed sin. My hands aren't clean. You know, I've done a lot of stuff in my, in my life, you know? So I would agree on the sense that he is a human being and he has made mistakes. And I think, and some of the times, and so I would agree with that, but I still disagree with the fact that, you know, I do see parallels to the story and to things that are happening. And I don't, I don't believe in coincidences, you know, of, of timing. And he is an earthly man. Um, Yes, ma'am. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, that's the bottom line. So when you made that statement, I can agree with that statement to an extent because he's a man, you know. Um, and the statement that you that you made about his hands are not clean. Well, you could say that about me, and I would say you're absolutely right, <laughs> you know. But I've asked for yes. forgiveness of my I, you know. So, so I I think we can agree on one level and disagree on another level.
4: Okay, but here's my problem: is that. There are still people starving in Yemen because of America. That still happened under Trump. It still happened under Obama, it still happened under Bush. This is not a new thing. This is a longevity. Well, what's this ye- is what's the longevity Yemen doing of that terrible that? situation?
1: What's Yemen doing about that? You
4: think what can Yemen do about it? They can't do anything, my friend.
1: Why, how do you know that? What do you say? Wait, wait. See, this is, this is the thing, too. Yemen, a, Yemen idea doesn't that, have autonomy. Well, who controls Yemen? Yemen, Yemen
4: exists then? because other countries around them allow them to exist.
1: Okay, so then whose responsibility is it, then? It's them, not us. See, this there idea There are that people
4: you know, on that land, my uh, friend. Okay.
1: Right. Okay. I'm not a Yemen expert, obviously, but what I'm saying is, there's an idea that, uh, that the United States has to be, you know, the the enforcer of the world, and we have to, you know, we have to regulate everything and the world's police force, And uh, if we don't go in and, and keep everything, you know, there'll be no Why order do in the you world. Think that? It's like no other culture has ever existed, and that's that's incredibly unhealthy. I think. Speaking of, of wellness, which so yes, sort of like our general theme that's here, that's a
4: terrible way to think. Yes, that's a terrible way to be. I'm saying okay. that there are people. But of all the things in Yemen,
1: but what does Yemen have to do with the United States? What, what does it have to do with us here?
4: We are going out of our way to shut off their supply lines to bring food into their country. Right now,
1: yeah, well, we've been doing it yeah. for
4: almost a decade.
1: Okay, that makes no sense. Why, why would we do that?
4: Because we're partners with Saudi Arabia, who's at active war with them.
1: Well, we're not getting a little Arabia these days. People. They're cutting back our production. All right. Let's let's save that for another time. Let's uh, let's come kind of, let's go back to what um yep. you know, our sort of our main topic here. Um because I think this is this is this is a really scattered day. We're really all over the place. It's kind of interesting. Um but well, uh, well, Go ahead, go ahead, CJ. Hey no, I
5: I think and maybe <laughs> So this conversation that we're having and the points of agreement and the points of choosing to disagree with one another, right? That's a healthy Mm -hmm. thing. We all don't have to agree. Hence I go back to not just this Easter week, but in general, you know, we have to focus on some of the positive things because there are so many negative things that can send us into a spiral. So for us to be able to put our mental and emotional health, you know, At a a priority level, along with going Mm -hmm. into what we're putting into our bodies, even though you had made the comment, um, Greg, and I had said that I couldn't remember the exact statement is how do you how do you keep your body healthy in a toxic world? Or you made some sort of statement like that. And there is no blanket statement answer to that. There is no Mm -hmm. answer to that because it's Mm -hmm. tough and it's challenging. You can only do what you know to do, you know, washing your fruits and vegetables. You can only be so so proactive, so at some point, you have to trust God, you know, and that should be the first thing that we're doing, you know, period, and then doing, doing all the things, but bringing this conversation um, uh-huh. and this little bit of a debate that we're having back and forth, it, it can be done in a healthy way, and we can agree to disagree, you know, because there are some statements that, you know, are true, even if, you know, what, um, it's Josh, correct, Josh is saying is, is correct. You know, we only have control over so much. And it's almost like the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the cliche statement of choose your battles, the lesser of all evils, which I hate Mm -hmm. that statement, but it's a great great cliche, right? So, um, and, you know, bringing it back to the last statement that I'll say regarding Trump and this week, because I think I've made I've kind of made the parallels what I think of this week and what's happened kind of true and where I stand and all that, Mm
0: -hmm. you
5: know, whether what Josh is saying is true or not, and that that could be true, right? We have that issue of food. Again, when you have a human in charge of things, not everything is going to be perfect. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to Trump, my bottom line is I think the events have lined up with Easter. I think that he has had a calling, and I used the wrong word, anointing. So my apologies. Well, I not the wrong word. But he, he has had, had,
1: had, I, I understood what you, you meant. Know, it's just that, yeah, is is in chosen, absolutely. absolutely, yeah,
5: right, on him. And does that mean whether it's Trump or somebody else that we think is so great is going to do everything to get this world in tip top shape, perfect? There's always going to be something that that's right. There's no perfection in in this world. That being said, many of you have heard the statement, and I've said it, you know, I'd rather have a smart ass and a good businessman than a dumb ass and somebody that's sniffing children. And, again, whether you think that this is a show or he's an actor or it's the real Biden, whatever mm-hmm. your conspiracy theory is, right, there is going to be no man that's going to be the the president of the United States or in that role that's going to run the world perfection it's God's mm-hmm. job to do a lot of those things and so you have to I mean that's just kind of where I where I stand where I stand on that so I'm not disagreeing with the path yeah but I
1: there's yes there's conflicts, though, uh, and I think one of the biggest things that, that really contributes to your health is realizing, you know, it's like the old saying, what do you have to control over? You know, the, the things, you know, control the things you can, uh, don't worry about the things you can, not and have the wisdom to know the difference, right? And so this goes for, for our nation. You know, how healthy is our nation? What are the problems? You know, what can I do about the situation in Yemen? Nothing. <laughs> I really I don't even know about it. Uh, but what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, it's like that old thing when your parents said when you are a kid, you better eat your vegetables because people are starving in India. Okay, well, people are, that, those are two totally separate events. One, my vegetables in right. front of me, and two, people starving in India. They have nothing to do with each other. That's like saying, you know, if a butterfly lands on a mailbox and two cars crash in front of you, butterflies right. cause car accidents. Well, that's insane.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> so, but the thing is, but bring it back to, the, to our personal health, what can we control? And I just find it fascinating that um, in the situation now that those that want to control, that the, the need to control other people is a true sickness. That to these people, the the, the whole deep state, that I've got a secret, you don't know what I know. Therefore, you know I'm I'm more important than you are. This uh, this idea that the Trump represents is evil simply because he wants the country to be great, and somehow that's a bad idea. And so, as well, people are going through their their day, go, yeah, go ahead.
5: Right. No, but again, let's <laughs> take it back. You know, to your health. That's why when I when we first started at the top of this hour, I said, you know, having your morning routine to try to set your day. And mm-hmm. keeping your focus, you know, again, cause like you just said, you can only be so proactive. I mean, crap happens, right? And we're mm-hmm. not in—we think we have control over certain things, which we do to an extent. But ultimately, God's in control of our lives, right? We can only be in control of so many things and be. But we well, still have
1: free will, so, and we still make decisions. So, you know, I mean, the free will to make bad decisions too, and that's that's all part of it right? as well. Yeah,
5: exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I do think it's important to do those certain things in the morning physically, like those suggestions that I talked about at the top of the hour. I do think it's important to, you know, whether you're a believer or not, get you know, getting in the Word of God in the morning, or doing a yoga thing if that's your if that's your thing, or doing a meditation, or going for a walk with your dog, or getting fresh air, you know, and and saying, okay, you know, there are certain things that I'm in control of, and there are certain things that I'm not, and then I just have to trust. So. There are things that we can applicably apply, you know, um, to our lives. And then looking this week as to, okay, so what can we be thankful for this week? You know, we can be thankful for this week, all this pantomime bull crap that went on this week, how much (laughs) bad stuff was, was exposed, was exposed, you know, more of the deep state with Bragg in New York and all these things. And think about Pandora's box that was open, that we can only pray and hope and hope is going to trickle down to, to others. So, you know, I, I think, and it's hard sometimes, but I think that's where we have to, have to be rather than the rewind and rewind and rewind and rewind of all the bad, because that's really not going to get us anywhere. That's not mm-hmm. going to propel us forward.
1: Yeah, so it goes back to the original thing we are talking about with the news. You know, people feel compelled to watch the news because society tells them, or so they think, they have to be informed. But on the other hand, the news might make them miserable. So, so the real issue is not what's on the news. The real issue is why you feel the need to watch something that you know makes you feel miserable. And so that kind of empowering, we, we, there's, there's an empowerment that needs to go into. So the more control you have over your own life and the decisions that you make, the better you're going to feel. The more, the less powerful you feel, oh no, you know, we can't solve, uh, you know, there might be another Irish potato famine in a hundred years, you know, or climate change This is like the big one. Worry about climate change. What, do you, do you really think that you can legislate the temperature difference? <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, yeah. and so this is a very unhealthy thing that we're in this society. The arrogance of thinking we can change things we can't change, uh, and the, the needless worry that goes into all kinds of stuff. You know, that is put on people. I mean, oh. the, the whole idea of propaganda and, and psychological abuse and all these other things that are going on all the time are really pervasive. And you almost have to have a safeguard against that kind of stuff. Have a morning routine. Drink your coffee. Scrape your tongue. <laughs> you know, I mean, just, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, just, I just, but, but in other words, the, the simple things, you know, translate into complex and if you can take the basics and then say okay what's what matters to me what uh you know and still take on the cosmic issues you know the, the issue of national security and the you know elections elections are incredibly important but what part do you have to play in that what can you do what can you not do and can you be happy okay. with what you can do and i think these are all huge exactly. things that people don't take into account uh while considering these major earth-shattering issues like what's happened today with Trump or with uh, this week yeah okay. Okay. I,
5: I agree with you. I agree with hmm.
1: you. Yeah. Well that was easy. Now what do we do?
5: <laughs> ah, so the morning coffee, like I said, I think uh-huh. that's a topic that I will that I will table. I will table that topic. Um okay. I think that could be an interesting conversation that we could have another time so people can kinda evaluate that or if anybody wants to come on and, you know, share their morning routine or want something, you know, but um, you know, I would say, you know, uh, going in, going into this week, you know, have have some sort of a thankful, grateful routine, something that is um, of good intentions. You know, this week, and try to set a precedent. You know, <laughs> here I use that word again. And every time I use it, I think of Trump setting a precedent for all the other. Crimes that all these other presidents have committed that will hopefully open, you know, Pandora's box. Because that's really what I believe it was, mm-hmm. setting a precedent for other things to happen. But neither I digress. Um, setting a precedent for, you know, a spring couldn't be in a better time, um, you know. And, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, really get into his words, celebrate celebrate the, the weekend and what is to come. Because that's the, that's the best thing that we can do. Because ultimately he's going to be in control of the outcome of this he's in control of our health he's in control mm-hmm. of everything and just we can just be as proactive as we can implementing the things here that we know know that we can do to the best of our ability
1: makes sense yeah no it makes perfect sense um i don't know if you're able to hang on for our next uh, some of our next hour or do you have to go at the at the top of this hour so i make sure i get everything covered
5: yeah, I I actually have to, you know, I homeschool, so I definitely have to get some stuff done with my daughter. <laughs> okay,
1: well, that makes sense. Okay, all right, um, because we we can take a break now. I, I'm trying to think of anything else. We, we've covered so much, and I have. See, here's what happens when I have whenever I have these huge interviews, like the one I'm about to do with Ed Ed Dowd, I prepare literally days ahead of time, and so a lot of times, uh, unfortunately, some of my other reports, you know, don't have as much into them from me simply because I'm devoting so much to this. Because, you know, it's really critical what's going on with the work that he's doing, for example, you want to talk about, uh, you know, I'm wondering what kind of personal stress he's under. Because here's a guy that was Wall Street, you know, made billions of dollars in his growth management fund. And then all of a sudden discovered that uh, all kinds of folks were dying prematurely, you know. And it's, it's fascinating to me that this came about because of insurance people and uh, the life insurance folks. So, Wait a minute. <laughs> you know, we're having to pay out a whole bunch of money here. What's going on? Uh, and the morticians. Uh, Wait a minute. <laughs> we're seeing Things with dead people we we never saw before, and and they're like the whistleblowers, uh, and because and you know people and it, it's interesting it's like a detective story it's like a murder mystery, you know you look at Columbo some little thing that happens, you know all of a sudden some mortician somewhere or some uh, you know insurance agent goes wait a minute I got more people dying this year what's going on, you know and then uh, of course you know the government will say well it's not happening everything's fine the vaccine is safe and effective you know shut up don't worry about it go away, and so that is a sickness this this denial this this control. That requires a denial of the obvious, and that people have to wrestle with that too, so there's a whole interesting thing to explore at some point. I don't know if you have a comment on that, uh, I might just take a break here in a little bit and to play a couple things before it gets here, and then sort of start fresh with him, but to, uh, that whole idea that the, that the 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 people that are think that think they're in control of everything uh, because they worship government, not God, uh, because right. they believe that they can control everything and control everybody, which they can't. Um, you know, that, uh, that they get all upset when, uh, you know, the cat gets out of the bag. Or, you know, that all of a sudden people, that's something they never expected to happen. Uh, morticians and, and, and insurance people have shown that uh, their, their COVID vaccine <laughs> isn't a vaccine, you know, is neither safe nor effective. In fact, it's actually deadly and useless. <laughs> you know, so, so now what do they do? And yet they're still putting the same message out there like, it, like nothing's happened. It's, it's really quite fascinating. You want to talk about denial.
5: Yeah. Well, yeah. like I said, you know, there's only so many things that are in our control right now, because uh-huh. you know we can, and you know I do this too. You know, with other things that I do, we can we talk about where we were three years ago, where we mm. were two years ago, where we were uh-huh. a year ago. We need to address where we are now and move forward. We can't go backwards. But we cannot go backwards. So, where do we? What do we do? And our first and our my my first resource mm. is just praying, you yeah. know, and I personally have seen a lot of things transpire um with with people you know i really I really have, and testimonies and things like that through faith, through repentance, through things like that. so I would just say again, wrapping this up, moving forward for this Easter weekend is just being you know being grateful for those of us who are awake, being grateful for the resources we we have and we can't go backwards we we can we can stay stuck with where we are mm-hmm. that's a choice or we can choose to propel propel forward and to help others pray for others use the resources and because we can't change you can't change what happened 10 years ago you can't change what happened two years ago you can't change what happened last last week you know if you had a fender bender that sucks so you can't go back and change it you know what i mean <laughs> So, you can't um,
1: un, you can't unbend yeah. unfender bend it. <laughs>
5: right. <laughs> for, right. So, yours, yeah. so we have. Like, yeah. we, okay. we, and that's why I'm saying our our mental and emotional health it's it's challenging, you know. Mm. But we have a choice to be stuck in what's going to ultimately be our demise, one way or the other, right? And someday we're all going to meet Jesus, or if you're a believer, right? But what I'm saying is, right now we can either choose to be stuck in our demise and live our days unpurposeful, unproductive, you know, um, not, not helping others, not trying to find solutions, but we can move forward because we can't go back and do the best that we can do. And so I think that's kind of where we are, you know, with our, with our health, with our food, we can't act that they're trying to kill us with poisons in the food. You know, all we can do is do what we know how to do, you know? Um, just like with the whole electric cars versus gas, well, don't buy an electric car if you don't want to feed into their agenda. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we we yeah. can take this. We can take this into so many different different directions, but you know, mm-hmm. I would just say that I wish everybody a very very blessed Easter. You know, lo- look up, don't look down, um, because that's what we need to be doing any anyway, and push forward instead of keep looking backwards because backpedaling. Backpedaling is not going to get us anywhere. I mean, that's the yep. bottom line. So, so, um, but I certainly wish everybody a very, very blessed Easter season um, and Resurrection Sunday. And I will look. I will be in touch with you, Greg. And I will look forward to talking with everybody next Thursday.
1: Sounds good. All right. Contact information uh, of any kind, and then uh, yes. I'm, I'm gonna play a yes, couple sir. things here and the way we go. Yeah.
5: Yep. Yeah, anybody that wants to reach me can email me at h2owellness.gmail.com, and that's h wellness network. Sometimes people have sent me emails and they use a zero. It's not a zero. Um, it's h wellness network at gmail.com. And I do check my spam folder as as well. So if you have any questions or need any resources or you want to even have a fun, awesome debate with me, I'm all about it. <laughs>
1: Well, it sounds good to me. Uh, I'm just hi, checking hi. my phone numbers. My hi, guest hi. is already here, so I'm not going to play a couple of things. But I'll just go right to, uh, uh, to Ed Dowd, who's on the line right now. So, uh, yeah, thank well, you. Thank you for have a wonderful time.
5: You guys have a blessed Easter.
1: You have a blessed Easter, too. And we'll talk next week. All thank right. you, CJ. All right, yeah, there Bye-bye. we go. Bye-bye. All right, so Bye-bye. let's get to our, our guest of the day, Mr. Ed Dowd. So I first saw um, Ed Daden, a special with uh, Tucker Carlson. Uh, it was like it was a died suddenly hour. It was incredible. And so I've learned more and more about this person. Uh, in fact, uh, my, uh, my friend in Washington that I actually arranged for him to be here um, sent me the book, the whole bit. So I've been, I've been just getting as much as I can here. I've got a quote uh, that I have from uh, way back here um, in the, the introduction to the book. Uh, and let me see if I get this right here. It's actually from, uh, from Robert Francis Kennedy, Jr. Um, and he's talking about. Let me see if I get this right here. Uh, Ed uh, Dow. Well, ugh. I'm disorganized this morning. I apologize. <laughs> it has been a little bit of a crazy time here. Said among the world's. Here we go. This is among the world's. I have like three hours worth of material to talk about in, in a much shorter time. Among the world's towering financial titans is BlackRock, a company with a bigger economy than every country on Earth except the U.S. and China. They manage ten trillion dollars in assets. In t- 2002, BlackRock recruited the brilliant Wall Street careerist. Uh, Edward Dowd, and soon promoted him to serve as managing director. The growth fund he managed started at $2 billion. By the time he left BlackRock, it was $14 billion. And then it says, in 2021, Dowd found himself withdrawing from Wall Street to study an entirely new kind of trend, the expanding and tragic epidemic of sudden deaths among healthy young people. That, to me, seems like a huge transition. So I've just made his line live, and I want to welcome uh, Ed Dowd to Action Radio. Good morning,
6: Good morning, Greg. Thanks for having me on today. Good to be here.
1: Well, it's a real pleasure. Um, it's a, this, what you're doing is fascinating, um, and I want to tell you a little bit about what we do, but I also want to get as much of, of your book uh, as we can because I've been going over it pretty carefully. But first of all, let's get a round of applause for what you do. <laughs> So the book is Cause Unknown, the Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. So let's, I'm sure you've been asked this question before, but I think it's important to go over it, is how, you know, first of all, how was Wall Street? And how does somebody from Wall Street um, totally change from what I imagine was a great job and a good living and a good company and everything else that you were doing? And all of a sudden go, wait a minute, (laughs) something's wrong here. Um, with these, uh, with the amount of, uh, I, I guess, all cause mortalities that have increased drastically. How did you make that transition? And, and um, just sort of tell me your story. Take all the time you want. From from Wall Street to this this new place that you are now. the wise? Well, on, it's on
6: really that not time. that different. Yeah, okay. Greg, it's really not that different.
1: Um, huh.
6: I'm often asked, well, how are you qualified to speak on this issue? You're not a doctor. You're not an epidemiologist. Well. I think that is actually a good thing. I'm a Wall Street analyst. Uh uh-huh. you know, my whole career's been on Wall Street, fixed income and equity. So I I've spent uh, both both sides of the equation and my job on Wall Street was to pick stocks and make money for my clients. And you do that through pattern recognition and, and, and understanding that trends are changing before everybody else figures it out. That's uh-huh. the real money is made by living between the worlds of perception and reality, the the crowd, the street, the, the herd thinks one way of perception and the numbers underneath are changing and you identify that new reality before everybody else. You position yourself and your clients for that, uh, trend change. And then once the herd figures it out, the stock goes up a lot. So that's my job. That's what I do. And I noticed a disturbing new trend in the early days of 2021 with anecdotes of, uh, you know, weird things happening to my friends were taking the vax. Uh, you know, in 2020, I live here on the island of Maui.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
6: I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody who died. And then all of a sudden, 21, you know, so-and-so's uncle on the mainland died. And then my dad would tell me, uh, oh, so-and-so I know died. And it just these, these types of stories started percolating where there were none in 2020, uh, for me, at least. Mm-hmm. And so anecdotes, anecdotes. um and I know a couple of things because of my background on wall street and analyzing healthcare stocks, I knew that vaccines that are safe and well vetted, that it takes seven to 10 years of safety data before they put it in someone's arms. Usually, um, that, that, that severe adverse events do occur, death being one of them. And they're but they're so rare that I shouldn't be hearing of them, but I was hearing multiple. So my, my, uh, my, my warning signals went up and, uh, then when the mandates came in June of 21, that's when I became activated because of, I'm a believer in free choice and body, body autonomy. So I started protesting uh, here on Maui and met, met up with Dr. Malone who came to the island. And I told him I was going to monitor funeral homes and insurance companies because if my suspicion was correct, it would show up in those, in those areas. And it surely did. And it's begun a journey of discovery. I have a team of, uh, I have a firm now, Finance Technologies, with two PhD physicists, and we've uh, discovered some uh, rather horrifying things that uh, lead me to believe that the vaccine is the cause of what we're seeing. And if people have another explanation, love to hear it, but nothing, nothing is quite as, uh, as um, damning as the vaccine and the mandate.
1: Interesting, yeah, uh, just talking to you I, I, I can toss I have like so much stuff prepared because I never know exactly where these uh, these chats are going to go, and I'm, I'd much rather be spontaneous um, also Judy Mikebitz is on the line too, apparently, you two know each other, so uh, Judy, you feel free to join us at any time here, um, but uh, she's a friend of the show and is one of the strongest proponents of our bill for vaccine product viability uh, I'll tell you a little bit about what we do in a bit, but uh, you made something that was really key a statement you made earlier that because you're not an epidemiologist because you're not a, um, you know, you're, you're not what I would call in the bubble. Um, in fact, uh, the, the worst people that talk about law are sometimes the lawyers, you know, and as I say on the show here, I'm uniquely unqualified for everything I do. We've created a citizen legislature. We actually write legislation, title section, the whole bit, you know, Congress ready, state legislature ready. And yet none of us are, are lawyers or professional, you know, folks, bill writers or things like that. But because of that, we're open to new possibilities. And I see the same thing with you. So when you talk about trends, you know, that, uh, that you see things that people don't see you know, and and you're looking for the trends, I'm actually trying to create a trend, you know, trying to create new things that people don't see. And and then they're asking, you know, what's the question, you know, uh, you know, if it can't, you know, why are you trying to do that? It's never been done before. Well, that's the perfect reason, you know, and if not now, you know, when, and if not us, who? It's the same kind of thing. So as somebody who isn't locked into a bubble, that really opens you up to all kinds of new ways of looking at things. So, but, but Wall Street in particular, I'm just curious about the financial end, because you've got a statement here. uh, This is be early, be right, and be loud. A common problem is that people are hesitant to go against the grain of consensus. So let's, let's relate that to the vaccine. It's safe and effective. The government says it's safe and effective. They're the experts. You go against that and you get what happened to us at Action Radio where you're completely censored. So, are, do you think of yourself as a pioneer of this information? Um, does it, uh, it bother you in any way that you are bringing new stuff out there? I mean, how does this, or how does that, what you did at Wall Street, is like your career is in, in being out, you know, saying things that are different for people? I'm just curious. Yeah, cor-
6: correct. And, uh, you know, an interesting thing about Wall Street that people may not understand is everybody starts their career and usually stay in the same silo. And there's huh. different silos on Wall Street. And you know, I was able to make a good career on Wall Street by arbitraging the different silos. So in 2006 and seven, there was a real estate bubble, and uh, people in that in that silo couldn't see it, the disaster coming. But because I used to have experience in the credit markets and had an open mind, the uh-huh. refrain then was "Home prices never go down." Well, all you had to do was Google "home prices going down," <laughs> and you and you saw literally that it, it, they do go down, but they hadn't gone down for decades. So people were asleep thinking they never went down, but they do, and there's cycles. So I, I, was, I said, well, home prices do go down and there's a lot of weirdness going on in the real estate market and fraud. So I'm going to monitor what's going on there. And I was able to help my uh, clients lose less money than everybody else that year. And then, you know, at the bottom, we turned and got bullish. But, you know, the point the point is, is that, I I I thrive on on is, I'm ai like solving puzzles so this is part of a intellectual exercise for me so I I saw something okay. that others didn't see so, and, and as time ro- so I had a thesis and when you have a stock thesis you you, you 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 put the thesis out there before all the information is complete and as time rolls on you either uh your thesis is either confirmed or you're wrong if you're wrong you sell the stock and you said well I gave it a shot I'm out uh huh And in my my journey since I began this, the data is getting more confirmatory that I'm not only right, I'm probably 200% right. At this point, um, we're seeing things that we shouldn't be seeing. I've said publicly the last several weeks with the new data, we found that that there is a pandemic. It's a pandemic of the vaccinated. And the numbers we're seeing in terms of uh, uh, lost work time, excess deaths, and disabilities would suggest there's a pandemic now that's way greater than the COVID scare fear mongering that we saw, but the global governments are silent about it, and I think I know why, because they, they're the ones that caused it. So this is the greatest cover-up I've ever seen. I'm not afraid to speak the truth because that's just what I do. I'm, I'm kind of a, a bullheaded uh person that way. And on Wall Street, that's what I did. And some, when I was wrong, I uh, I would pull a 180 and, and admit I was wrong. And if I'm wrong here, I'll pull a 180 publicly. But unfortunately, I'm not wrong. I don't think.
1: No, I know you're not wrong. And, uh, you know, you're preaching to the converted here or what is it, preaching to the choir. Um, let me give you a quick history of, of us here. Um, February, well, I think I had COVID uh, the first week of January in 2020 before we even knew what it was. I got over it Took a couple of days rest, coughed a whole lot. You can hear it on my shows. I sound terrible. <laughs> I was looking for guest hosts. Um, we had one of my favorite people in the world, Dr. Peter Pry, one of the foremost experts on EMP, nuclear weapons, things like that, was one of our regular guests. He brought us Bill Gertz, February 25th of 2020. He told us all about the Wuhan lab. So we knew about the Wuhan lab immediately. February 27th, I wrote a bill for Congress because I also learned about early treatments that you the Congress could only spend half their money on vaccines. The other half had to be spent on early treatments. Uh, I learned about the Didier Road study in Marseille, France. I was learning about Dr. Zelenko and we knew that these early treatments worked and I was in contact with doctors around here. So as soon as who we call Dr. Fascist, um, Anthony Fauci, started spewing vaccines only, I'm like, wait a minute. Just like you said, you use just basic logic. And I think people get hung up on their assumptions so much uh, or what they think they're supposed to believe, they forget to just use their brains. And my brain said, 15 years to create a vaccine, the virus is already here. It's too late for a vaccine. We need to kill this thing. And so I looked up, spent about an afternoon looking at ways to kill viruses. And I came up with all kinds of things, drugs, other viruses, you know, drug virus combinations, uh, different things that could be done for people and eventually hit upon chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, And then a couple of months later, ivermectin. So for us, we were already talking early treatments. We said the vaccine's a hoax, that we don't need this, we've already got this. And there's a bunch of articles to confirm it. And I've got them. I've stored these early articles that said there is no pandemic. But that message never got out there. That's when they kicked in the media to suppress it. So you're among friends here, you know, that that actually think not only are you right, but I think it's a lot worse than you think it is. You were saying it's a lot worse than it is you think it is now. So how bad projecting out considering the amount of people that have received these cover jabs, how bad do you think this is really going to get?
6: So uh, we just put out a recent report. Again, you know, I wrote the book uh, in September. It was released in December. But we continue Mm -hmm. to gather data, and I call this a fraud in progress. So we put out a vaccine damage report where we estimated uh, the damage done to the U.S. economy in terms of human costs. Mm-hmm. And a uh, dollar amount, we took a stab. And, and so here are the numbers. So we've, uh, cons- and these are conservative numbers. We uh, we decided to be more conservative than, than bombastic. And so our numbers are probably low. So mm-hmm. 300,000 excess deaths due to the vaccine in 21 and 22 uh, uh, is what we've calculated due to the vaccine. Um, we, uh, we've uh, estimated 1.36 million disabilities and 26.6 million injuries. And the final piece of the puzzle for us was the uh, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics absence data and work time loss data. And that's exploded um, 13 standard deviations above the 20-year trend line. That's what we call a black swan event. It's a massive uh, increase. And it went up a little bit in 2020, as you would expect, because there was confusion, people getting COVID, missing work, yada, yada. But then mm-hmm. it went up again in 21, and then and then it took off in 22, and so we and, and we calculated the, uh, the the number of people injured in this fashion via the the, the Pfizer clinical trial uh, adverse mm-hmm. event rate. So we we projected that out across the population, and you got to remember that, that they they wanted to hide the clinical uh, trial data for 75 years, and now we know why. They knew mm-hmm. then that the safety signal. Uh, was there to end the trial, but they went ahead anyways. And now we have the actual real-world results in the population. So we have about, we we predict or calculate or estimate um, 28 million people have either died and disabled or injured, with most of those being injured. We believe the injuries are manifesting in a suppressed immune system, which then presents as people being chronically sick and missing a lot of work. And that's exploded in 2022. Has major implications for the economy. Uh, the economic damage is the following: five point two billion for the deaths, uh, fifty-two billion for the disabilities, and eighty-nine billion for the injury, as calculated from w- lost work time. So we only calculated the damage based on what we could measure, which is lost wages and salaries. The problem is, of course, we, what we can't calculate, which is um, you know multiples of the, that number, and that's the productivity that's lost from those who are injured, chronically sick, who are at work, but are running at 50% capacity. Uh, and, and then the people who are disabled and left the workforce, the ones who are left at, in the workplace that have to work harder and longer hours who burn out. And so these have knock-on effects throughout the whole supply chain and are causing uh, an untold amount of damage to the economy because productivity is a multiplier effect. And when productivity goes down, uh it's it's very bad for the economy so we also calculated pfizer and moderna's revenues uh in the u.s in 2022 it was in in 2022 pfizer earned 7.1 billion in the u.s revenues and Mm -hmm. Moderna 4.4 so the two of them combined was 11 and a half so for every one dollar they made the u.s economy lost 13 dollars of uh, economic productivity that we can measure. So 150 billion divided by 11 and a half is a 13 to one ratio.
1: This is insanity. Um, Just to remind folks, the book is Cause Unknown, the Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. And we're in 2023, and this isn't stopping. Uh, with all this amazing information that you have, all these numbers that you have, you know where the the numbers are, you know where the trends are, this is not getting better until something changes. What can you do with these numbers? Who's listening to you? Who isn't listening to you? What do you want to happen from from writing this book?
6: Well, the bottom line is, the reason I got into this is, I want the vaccine program to end full stop. And that's what I've been trying to do. Because, well, so first we need to end it remove all the mandates left in colleges and the military and the first responders. A lot of the corporations have dropped their mandates. They're quietly uh, pulling a Homer Simpson and backing into the hedgerow. So, so we need, we need to end all this and then mm-hmm. we need to have a discussion that you may have been poisoned by the vaccine because you can't treat something unless you know the root cause. And if your immune system suppressed, there are ways to take care of that. If you don't right. do that and you know, people go to the doctor thinking it's, you know, I have shingles, I have pneumonia, I have this or that. Well, they'll treat the symptom, not the root cause. And so, this, this you know, these buckets are not static. So if you're injured, you could be, eventually become disabled or dead. So these buckets can shift, and we need to stop this immediately, uh, turn the tide, get people aware and educated on this. Colonel Teresa Long called me after we put out the report. She's a whistleblower in the military.
1: She's a doctor.
6: Yeah. 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 She's a doctor. She, she called me and said, Ed, she says, I'm seeing exactly what your report says. She said between the deaths, the disabilities and the injuries, the woke uh, military um, culture uh, in terms of recruitment is turning people away. And people also don't want the vaccine. And those who left who already didn't want the vaccine. She said we won't have a standing military in five years if these trends continue.
1: And yet they continue. And this is the collective insanity. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Let me just uh, put a solution. And, of course, Judy, if you want to join the conversation again, feel free to, uh, to do so because she's got all kinds of vaccine injury recovery. You know, the, the cure for me, the two things we need to do, one, is to have Judy's program of get, you know, products out there that people who have been injured, who are worried about this time bomb in their body, to do everything they can uh, to recover from the vaccine. Uh, And that's not being talked about because, again, there's such depression out there. My solution as a citizen legislator is we have two bills, which I sent you already. I don't know if you had a chance because it was only yesterday um, to take a look. But we have a bill for vaccine product liability that uh, gets rid of the the, the vaccine compensation fund because big farmers should pay it, gets rid of the declared emergency. Uh, And I wrote this two years ago, so hopefully it's supposed to be next month. But who knows? Things can happen. But the most important, there's two places in law where it says vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. And what I do is I go to those places and say vaccine manufacturers shall be fully liable. I don't know if you've thought about this, but what, would, what do you think the impact would be uh, if we could actually get this through, which I think has to be done, um, that vaccine product liability is put back on big pharma? How does that change the, the whole equation?
6: Oh, yeah, the, the, they would run away from vaccines faster than you can shake the stick at. I mean, the, 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 these people put those laws in place because they, they, they couldn't make a profit otherwise. So th- this th- this whole thing started in '86, and it's and it's grown into a, a behemoth. And now they're trying to ram vaccines down our throats on a quarterly basis. It's it's absurd. This is this is crony capitalism run amok. And uh, Judy's great, and you know Judy has solutions, but we mm-hmm. don't even we can't even admit we have a problem yet. So I'm trying to show people we have a problem. I would love for Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's heading up the COVID committees in, in, in the House, to call me in to testify. I don't think she's reached the vaccine portion of her discovery, but when when she does, I want to go. And you know, so you know, I look at myself as we have a problem. It's in the numbers. It's a national security issue, and, uh-huh. and Judy is is going to provide solutions. So you know, this the, the, Judy can't provide solutions if she's not allowed to speak, and no one's admitting there's a problem. This is this is where we are. We don't have regulators. They've left the building. They've all been yeah. captured. Uh, it, and, you know, this problem it didn't happen overnight. Uh, this has been going on underneath the surface for decades. And it wasn't as readily apparent because a lot of these products were smaller population sets. And, but when you vaccinate, you know, 60%, 70% of the country and the globe, uh, and the numbers are so big, even a guy like me can see them. Uh, that, that this is this is the end of 40 years of corruption. I hope.
1: You said something really interesting just a minute ago. That vaccines could not make a profit uh, without an, without getting rid of their liability uh, or giving them immunity from liability. Doesn't that say that in a, in a free market system that we wouldn't even have them? That do we even need vaccines in in, in our country if they can't? you know, use the free market and make a profit. And in fact, one of the notes I had for myself for, to ask you is if they had to do all the things that the taxes are paying for, the research and development, the marketing, the storage, the transportation, the packaging, the delivery, the uh, even the instructions, the printing of all that kind of stuff, and they were responsible for the liability, uh, are you saying there's no money in vaccines? They, they, they couldn't I, make a profit? I,
6: I, I'm Obviously curious. not. Obviously okay. not because... Because the back when they uh, um, there was a push by governments for more vaccines, and the vaccine maker said, "Well, we'll do it, but you have to give us um, liability protection because you know there's a lot of risk in making vaccines." That's basically what they told them. No, um, no, this is fascinating.
1: So a, this is this is because what you're saying is that economically, in a free market, we wouldn't have vaccines because they're that or dangerous. Or if
6: we did, or if, and if we did. They, they they would be, uh, they would be well tested and well uh, vetted, uh, and and, and, and and the market would be big enough. But the problem is, and you knew this, and Judy knew this, we all knew this. When they were talking about a vaccine for coronavirus, right? Honestly, it's common, it's, corona is a cold. We've never had a. They they haven't been able to develop a vaccine for a, because it mutates too fast.
0: So, mm-hmm.
6: the the whole premise of a vaccine from the get go, in my mind. Knowing what I knew it was like, I go. This is insanity. You can't. We've never had one, and now we're going to have one with new technology. It made no sense to me from the get go.
1: Hmm. Well, can we create a um, a health uh, system that does work? that does work with the free market. In other words, what would you call the alternatives? You know, nutrition, um, developing our immune system. You know, everything I've heard about, uh, let's let's just take polio for example. Polio was stopped not by the, the, the Salk or the Sabin vaccine or any of those things, it was stopped by good sewage. It was stopped by chlorine in the swimming pools. It was stopped by just, you know, good sanitary conditions. So in other words, Are we doing this, you know, when you're analyzing health stocks and you look at them, could, would we be better off with a completely different style of health, of health delivery and getting away from these things?
6: Well, well, so the uh, Wall Street loves big markets and um, uh, repeat cash flows. Healthcare. Okay. So in a very strange way, the, the, uh, a lot of healthcare companies develop their business models to cater to wall street i in my humble opinion uh-huh. healthcare should not be a wall street phenomenon Healthcare should be wellness centers scattered throughout the country uh that you know we're the you, it's hard to scale up uh wellness centers because then you have to you know impose one size fits all and you know what we've learned is that you know the body is not uh, one size fits all. Everyone's different, but you know, there are ways to heal the body that are similar, but they're done one on one. I envision after this debacle and disaster, and if I ever, my hedge fund that we're trying to fund gets started, you know, we'll be, we'll be uh, investing in wellness centers across the country, um, you know, to kind of change the face of healthcare. It's, we need to go back to the way, you know, this allo- all- all- allopathic way of you know, solving a problem with the pill is profitable, but it, it it doesn't really solve the problem. It just doesn't. And people are getting sicker and sicker. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up in the seventies, my grandparents weren't on seventy five pills. They, the, the, uh-huh. the, the drug industry wasn't as big back then. When they died, they just kind of died. They got they got the flu and they were dead in two days. There, there, yeah. was, no, um, there was no there was no there wasn't this twenty year march of decay which I see in a lot of old people now on their you know seventeen pills, so you know the human body is amazing and when it and when and when you the way you're supposed to die is you're just supposed to like drop and you're dead, you're not supposed to decay over fifteen years
1: So no, that makes a lot of sense you know i'm sixty three you know, I'm still exercising. I have a little bit of weight to lose. I had, uh, you know, open heart surgery a few years ago to repair a valve. And ever since then, you know, it's, it's been, I'm in mean, pretty good shape, you know, and I keep getting better. So it's, it's like a, so that I don't, I'm not against modern medicine, but what I'm against are the drugs and, and like I say, the vaccines and all these things that are putting into us. Um, Dr. Shiva said something interesting a while back, and I wonder if this applies with healthcare as well. He said that uh, medicine is supposed to be one-on-one. It's supposed to be individual uh, consulting. He says, but the one place, the one place where they can make a one size fits all uh, is this whole vaccine industry when you were looking at health stocks and and health companies did you see that the trend that like the smaller the decentralized the alternative health places where we're doing well and that doesn't fit the wall street model but that the vaccine model did did, is it almost like we have two healthcare systems
6: well it's not just vaccines uh you know the problem is you you know system-wide so when they came out with SSRIs, antidepressants, it was, right. initially it was approved for special situations. And then over time, they started to grow the market. Now, you know, when, they, when these first came out, they were said explicitly, do not give to children or people with developing brains. Now we medicate mm-hmm. children all the time with antidepressants. So it's all about expanding the market, making it bigger. I'll give you an example. There's a company called Gilead. Uh oh, yeah. We know about them. And then they they <laughs> they, 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 they made they made uh, uh they found a cure to uh hepatitis C and Wall Street applauded it at first, but then Wall Street figured out, well, there's eighty thousand hepatitis C patients in the US. Once they're cured the cash flow goes to zero and the stock actually took a hit because it was uh it, you know, it was a declining cash flow. And the mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs analysts Wrote a research paper on uh, good uh, drug business models for pharma companies. He said you don't want to cure something; you only want to treat the symptoms because the cash flows are more sustainable. So he said uh-huh. uh, in uh, in print what he and he didn't realize what he was saying, but that is that's just the reality. You do not they're incentivized not to find cures but to treat symptoms because when you treat symptoms you have a cash flow. When you cure. The person is no longer a patient, and, and there's, it's not a, it's not a re- repeating cash flow stream. So that, the, the, everything is inverted and upside down. Capitalism uh, and Wall Street, un, you know, it wasn't a plan. It just happened. So pharmaceutical mm-hmm. companies wanted to develop drugs that had long lives and cash flow streams rather than curing something. Why haven't we found a cure to cancer? Well, I, I can tell you. I was you just going
1: to ask you that. <laughs> funny, exactly was my question. Why haven't we? Yeah. Uh, you know, and there. wouldn't it be? I'm sure why would? Not- and uh, why wouldn't it be profitable to find a cure for cancer? I mean, it seems to me that that would be would be a, a huge market breakthrough. Well, because be, when
6: you know a lot of people get well, when people get cancer, they go into this uh, you know you know year to two year long process of. Uh, Very expensive hospital bills with chemo and uh, all sorts of uh, crazy uh, treatments that uh, oftentimes kill the patient. (laughs) I mean, this is where we are. It's it's literally when you step back from it and you have some knowledge like you and I do, it's an insane system
1: yeah let me um, your book is great. I want to make sure we, we cover some things. I mean the evidence is amazing you know you 've got graphs, you 've got charts you 've got all kinds of evidence of evidence of people dying at ridiculously young ages. Uh, the acceptance of that is 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 unbelievable, and this is something to focus on um, so anything that you want to talk about with the book, please feel free don 't let me you know monopolize everything here but uh, I do have a question and it 's the same question I asked Dr. Malone when he was here. Um, have you looked at or were you aware of the 2007 pandemic guidelines, the ones that came about before the ones we're under now, the 2017 guidelines, because they're very different.
6: Uh, No, but I've heard, uh, or seen chatter about this. And if I'm wrong, correct me, but it, it, you know, what, what happened in the, this is the 2007 SARS pandemic that, uh, yeah, we, did, we basically did everything opposite of what happened in 2007, where we basically let it burn, burn itself out and uh-huh. natural immunity eventually won, and we just kept the economies open. Uh, we did the exact opposite of what we learned from 2007, the gist of it, Correct.
1: Um, I don't know. That's an interesting question, because I have to you what they did. But what I found was that there was something called the pandemic severity index, and that the way they had decided to handle things in 2007, was to have the minimum impact on the economy, the minimum impact on our infrastructure. And by 2017, they did just the opposite. So my curiosity, and the reason I was wondering if you'd looked into this, uh, is because as Judy says, this was a pandemic, this is organized. And we all know that uh, Dr. Fauci said that Trump's going to have a pandemic, you know, right before he was inaugurated. But what most people don't know, is that three months later, April 21st, uh, they totally changed the guidelines. And instead of waiting until a Category 4 or 5 pandemic, which was upwards of a million to two million people killed from the virus, not with it, but, uh, but actually from it, um, they went to lockdowns immediately. So in order to do what they did in 2019, well, 2020, they had to change the guidelines and they changed them back in 2017. So it's almost like they knew it was coming. Did you see any trends in the market? Did you see any indications that that, that they changed all the rules uh, as far as pandemics in anticipation of what happened later? Did that show up at all?
6: Now, there, there were no signs in the market, but I will tell you that in 2019, mm-hmm. the fall of 2019, uh, the global economy was about to uh, become unglued because uh, there was an overnight uh, Federal Reserve uh, window crisis, and there was a credit crunch coming. And mm-hmm. then, miraculously, COVID comes and allows the central banks and the governments to spend and print money like uh, drunken sailors. And what you need to know about the money system is this. It mm-hmm. needs constant credit creation, constant flow. It's not, the, it's not the actual stock of the money supply. It needs constant growth. And we were rolling over in 2019, and then uh, the, uh, we had that like, you know, stock market panic very briefly in 2020. But uh-huh. if you remember correctly, all the money that was pumped into the system caused another uh, euphoric uh, mania. And, and it saved the system for, you know, uh, until recently, the system's becoming unglued again. I, I don't have any proof, but I believe COVID was used as an excuse. To um, usher in a system of control for financial collapse. That's my that's my, that that that's the, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. And my 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 intuitive proof is a Federal Reserve President James Bullard of St. Louis. Got on face the nation in April 3rd of 2020. And they asked him, How are we going to reopen the economy? You got to go back to him when everyone was scared out of their mind. And he said, Well, good news. We have new technology. Uh, and we could test every day and issue immunity badges. When I heard that, I thought vaccine passport because I knew I knew where they were going with this. That right. was immediately yeah. a memory hold because that was what they call a trial balloon. That it wasn't met very well because immunity badges sounds a lot like you know gold stars like Nazi Germany. So they they withdrew that. But he also said we and the good news is we have new surveillance technologies that can monitor all this. So I mean that was just dystopian bizarro speak three weeks after lockdowns from a, from a Federal Reserve central banker. Why, why is the central banker talking about this? Well, that's when it all clicked for
1: me. Why does the World Economic Forum have anything to do with health? I mean, you know, you look at the Great Reset and all the stuff they talk about. Uh, it's, uh, the, it's the economic forum. So the, this is really an economic disease. Um, the lo- you know, I'm, I'm convinced that the lockdowns, the mass mandates, and everything the government did was designed to preserve COVID you know, because that's what happened. Um, I think that Brian Sicknick, the the Capitol Police officer who died, you know, shortly after January 6th of two strokes, I think he was probably the first COVID shot victim. You know, I mean, there's so many he, things he that are going well, Go I ahead.
6: Can't, I, I can't speculate on that, but, uh-huh. you know, let's, bring, let's talk about what was going on in the world before uh, 2020. Okay. A lot of Americans don't know this because we, are, we already had uh, suppression of uh, international news in the U.S. There were Yellow, they, they were called the Yellow Jacket uh, riots in France and protests. They were going on right. for, you know, 18 mm-hmm. months in France.
0: Mm-hmm. There
6: was Hong Kong protests. There were protests all over the globe because of the economic deterioration going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did COVID do? COVID wiped all those protests off the map and now everybody focused on fear and dying. And what do we see now going on in France now that the COVID stuff is kind of waning? Uh, we have riots. We have the city burning. We have we have we have them protesting uh, what has just occurred, which is theft. They've raised the minimum retirement age, which is essentially theft. And mm-hmm. uh, and, and because they have pensions in, in France, and so here we here we are. Covid was was a way to prevent protesting, to prevent uh, it, its population control. Look at what's going on in China. Zero covid policy. What is really going on in China? China hit a demographic wall in 2020. My partner, Carlos Allegro wrote a book, Economic Cycles, Dead and Demographics. He he talks about it. Their GDP growth going forward is going to be nowhere near double digits. It's going to be 3% over the long term. And their economy with their number of people, that that is a bad scenario for China. So their COVID zero policy is to suppress food riots, job riots, and a little bit of COVID protesting, but it, and bank runs, so it's, mm-hmm. it's covered. What's going on in China is covered. So and you know, the, it, and they try to roll it out here. Thank, you know, thankfully we, uh, those of us in this battle, have kind of thwarted their plan. Their plan was for quarterly boosters, ad tonight, and with vaccine passports, digital IDs, and you know, show your papers everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. And that
6: that did not that that. Because the vaccine didn't work and you know, Omicron came along and everybody who was vaccinated got uh got COVID. And so now booster uptake is so low that they weren't able to implement uh their uh their, their plan. And and Pfizer stood to make three hundred and twenty plus billion if this uh plan was hatched. They, their revenues doubled from forty billion, which took took centuries to get to. In one year it went from forty billion to 90 billion in 2022. Wow. With COVID
1: vaccine. Yeah, this is, I wanted to see if Judy has a question. Judy, do you want to get in the conversation? Because I know you're there. Do you have a question for Ed or just want to (laughs) add something? You've been so patient. No, I'm here
2: enjoying. Hi, Ed. I'm here enjoying somebody else talking
1: (laughs) and grabbing all my
2: ivermectin because I got sick last night. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, I've been traveling, and so I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm listening to everything, you know, with okay. with great interest and just grateful that that you and Ed are there because his his statement earlier is, you know, end it all. The the program is is clear, um, criminal fraud. I mean, not a single safety study. He said in the beginning, six or seven years, and and that's how long it takes to test, and that's what we've done in the past. And the answer is. We haven't done that since 1986, since all liability was removed. Um, I text you, Greg, um, Mike Hugo, is right. the, the lawyer with Barbara Lowe Fisher, who wrote the law. He's an environmental lo- um, lawyer. And so you can see all the details at 1986, the the movie about that act and how, how it's really been, and, and the movie's incredible for how it's really been, you know, Crippled and bastardized. You've, at the political level, the last time it, you know, the last, the last thing to totally destroy it so it doesn't exist is something called the Bruschowitz decision in 2011. And, and basically just from the very beginning that they wrote the law, um, the Compensation Act, because then, then Tony Fauci told then-President Ronald Reagan, that vaccines were unavoidably unsafe because uh, Mike Hugo and others were winning all these lawsuits. You know, they've got, um, you know, they've got a kid drooling in a chair, you know, after DTP shots. It was primarily DTP or um, diphtheria, tetanus, and and pertussis. And and again, when we started combining all of these things, um, you know, no shot no vaccine ever worked. this is you know and and worked is what i said in in pandemic that is lifelong immunity according to nature according to god i'll be lifelong immune to um, chickenpox measles anything else not that i don't make antibodies if if i'm exposed i do um and and then I don't even notice I've been boosted by whoever's walking around. So in the measles outbreaks, epidemics, the you know everything we learned from Dell Big Tree, the High Wire, the Informed Consent Action Network, they did Freedom of Information Act for 18, 20 years, just FOIA, 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 FOIA. Ryan Hooker's and others to just prove the, the criminal fraud at the CDC, and um, really COVID was premeditated murder of the eight percent of the people who were severely vaccine injured crippled let's just say useless eaters all those people had talked about in the beginning you know we could our our economy can't sustain nursing homes you know our economy can't sustain um, the the level of 40 year olds with autism spectrum disorders who are basically just good at basket weaving or, and I don't say that in a derogatory sense. This is, this is a a, a problem that was created. And, and we've been sounding long before me, you know, Dr. Sherry Tenney, I mentioned Suzanne Humphreys, Brian Hooker, you know, for decades, um, you know, this has been happening. And, and so we hit the point in 2019 Um yeah. as, as, um ed just said where it was convenient we'd crashed the economy we'd stolen all um the elderly uh, uh their retirement plans um you name it social security um so we had to have a little solution so we um we just simply put masks you you know hypoxia you can't do it you die without oxygen blow on a blow on a fire and what happens blow on ashes and what happens the flame oxygen, you know, the flame, inflammation, you know, so we created, they're all inflammatory diseases, and all you have to do is, you know, rob oxygen, parasites, you know, Fauci and others, they just robbed us of our oxygen and created a scenario, um, made up a lie, and, you know, when nobody believed it, forced everybody into it, Um, and
1: um, Here's the frustrating part that we know what the problems are. You know, and you know, you know better than anybody, Judy, what the problems are because you've been studying this, you know, well, your adult life. The, Go ahead. The
2: solution that Ed just gave us, and you have in writeyourlaws.com and changing that 1986 Act and simply yeah. adding shall be held fully liable. It's over. Because in in the act in the beginning the, the the cases they were winning them if it was anything that was on the table of injuries oh the table injuries that would be like Guillain Barré or sudden adult death there were there were injuries listed and and in the beginning you can see in the movie it's it's pretty well done. Um, mm-hmm. uh, from a couple of years ago, Andy Wakefield, I believe it's called Chalker Films, and um, so this you could see in the movie how the 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 act the, the you know as the compensation program was compensating um, the injured, and and it would have ended you know the vaccines, um, and so they had to destroy and, and compromise the law with with corruption after corruption. I mean, just to watch what. Um, you know, HHS secretary um, from Maryland, boy, I can't even remember her name, but what an awful human being! Just, just cripple the whole, just cripple the whole bill, the whole situation. And I spent five years in in vaccine court, um, looking at the injuries. And you know, the simple, simple thing is, if we stop it all right now. and and we go back to good nutrition, and we've got all the solutions. We can take advantage of the technology and the advances of technology to see when we have cardiac, um, uh, you know, remodeling problems. You can see every single bit of it, um, and and the solutions are simple. Um, But they start with not another shot for anyone, not another shot. Um, And what people will say, now I've even backed that down to not another shot. You know, for a, a year. Um, so we built this alternative healthcare system called Global Tech MD, and built out the CAM arm, um, the complementary complementary alternative medicine. And basically, we're going to tell anybody who you know didn't want to be in the old system and wants to go back to re- true healthcare, um, you agree when you join not to give another shot, not to not to even suggest it. No, no anything. Um, And all it'll take is a year. Um, All it'll take is a year. And everybody will realize what the rest of us realize is that the unvaccinated are the healthy people in our country because they've got, you know, God given natural immunity and we feed it, but our GMO foods, all the GMO plants won't, won't feed us. You can't make capsaicin, which is the building block of aspirin. Um, in, in plants anymore because that's regulated by non, long-chain non-coding RNA. <laughs> I just mentioned RNAs. So we're injecting, we have micro, you name it, we have thousands of micro RNAs and regulatory RNAs and calcium and magnesium and everything, controls everything, you know, but how simple it is. Stop it. Start growing our plants, um, you know, go back to heirloom seeds, go back to God. No more GMO and our problem is solved.
1: Yeah, I got, I'm going to have to hold you up a little bit. This is fascinating. I mean, I love talking to you. You know I do. I just want to uh, I want to get back to Ed here and remind folks the book from Ed Dowd, uh, Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. So from what Judy is saying, um, well, first all, let me just get your general reaction to that. And and can we move to a, a profitable or a better, just an entirely new system of health? Is, it, is that where we should be going?
6: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, one of the biggest problems with healthcare is the growth in the administrative arm of healthcare. People who aren't okay. doctors see patients. Those people make a ton of money, and they they, they push down dictates onto uh, the doctors. We got to go. We got to get rid of this middle management layer, which is uh, useless, uh, expensive, and provides no value. And Judy's model, and that's the model we need to go to. But yeah. we need to get the public aware of what just happened to them. And, you know, I'm convinced once uh, the globe is aware that they've been poisoned by their governments, lots of things are going to change. We're, we're going into a economic uh, uh, spiral. We have a healthcare problem, obviously with the poisoning of the population. So Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of chaos and uncertainty and what's going to fill the gap. We need to, what, what do we fill the gap with and what Judy and others are talking about is part of the solution. And I'm just, I'm just a wall street guy analyzing and making people aware of the problem and uh i come at it f- from a different angle judy and others have this i'm not a doctor i don't to pretend to be one uh and you know having gone through my own journey of health everything that i've been told by doctors the uh, nutrition uh, uh food uh triangle uh everything i've learned is a lie and i've i'm basically Someone who cured themselves of their own depression in 2011, 12 through uh, spirituality, nutrition, and physical exercise. And so, you know, I had my own journey with these SSRIs that ended poorly for me. Oh, interesting. And, uh, yeah. I, and I, I, I that, that, that's why I'm, I'm so keen. I was, I'm so healthy now compared to where, where I was in my 30s. That. Uh, I, I was going to be damned if they were going to inject me with some experimental new technology. So that's why I'm here, because it became clearly evident to me that the whole system of healthcare was a lie after I tried to treat my mild anxiety and depression, which was made worse from these drugs. And uh, I met a psychiatrist who said, get off all these things. They don't work. Get God, Get, get eat right and exercise. I'm like, and, you know. I, I didn't recover overnight, but over a course of a year and a half, no more <laughs> depression. And so we, Judy has the solutions. I'm just kind of pointing out the problem. And then we need, we need, in the, I wrote the book for my loved ones and other people's loved ones, because this is a battle of the marginal mind. People need to wake up. And I, I feel if we can just get people aware of this, just that this just happened to them, Lots of things change because evil always goes too far. And this evil system that's been hidden from many just got exposed. And it's, the numbers are so big that it's going to be hard to hide this
1: one. I think people are going to be angry. And, you, get, you know, you think people are, are mad now. Once they, they realize that they're a ticking time bomb, it was done intentionally. The people who did it knew exactly what they were doing, and we paid them for it. Uh, I think the resentment and the anger is going to reach unbelievable levels. Uh, I had forgotten on, uh, that, that your own personal health journey, because I remember you mentioning it now when you had that uh, special with Tucker Carlson, that makes a huge difference because, you know, when you can see this personally, <clears throat> it just it just, it just brings it all into focus and then you realize the power that you do have as an individual. So let me ask you a, a sort of like an action radio question. Would you be interested in helping, uh, as Judy is doing, with our bill on vaccine product liability, our bill that would uh, basically end big tech censorship the same way, which says that because they're immune from anything anybody posts and any use of search engines, then if they mess with anything anybody posts or touch anybody's account or arrange the search engines, they, use, they lose their immunity and they can be sued exactly in the same way that a big pharma can be sued. You know, uh, that, we, that liability really is the key uh, not new regulations, not new government agencies, not millions and millions of dollars, you know, spent for this, but just simply bringing back liability to both big tech and big pharma for what they're doing. Um, is that something that you'd be interested possibly in helping? Or I mean, you think about it for a while if you want. But uh, I'm curious. So I'd love to have you. Uh, well, I, I, I'm looking for all help I can my get. Problem,
6: my, <laughs> yeah. My problem is this: everybody wants me to do something for everybody, so I have right. to have a lot of discernment. I'm not saying no, but. Uh, we did. If you go to our website, financetechnologies.com, dot com, spelled B-H, okay. we have the Humanity Humanity Project. What we feel we've done is we've basically proven the case, and all our, da- our all our data is there, free to the world as a force multiplier. We, we right. believe it's evidence that can be presented to a court or law. So you don't necessarily need me, uh, uh-huh. because I can't be everywhere all at once. I have, every, you know, Canada wants me, Florida wants me, Idaho wants me. And I have to kind of just pick and choose where I think I'll have the most impact. I'm not saying no, but uh, look at the no, data. I, I think
1: that makes my sure data it.
6: would be more helpful to you than me.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have any advice for, for me, you know, trying to create the citizen legislature here?
6: Um, you know, just the data. Look, this is, this is, a, this is a battle of um, – the truth versus lies and right. what we put on our website is the truth it's the the numbers and you in your writing of the laws can incorporate that any way you wish it's free okay. it's free it can be used replicated we, we we're not claiming uh ownership you use it any way you want i mean we literally we have documented the excess deaths in all of europe the uk germany ireland uh, australia the u.s We've done a U.S. disabilities analysis. We've linked the Pfizer clinical trials to the uh, real-world reactions we're seeing. We put out a vaccine damage report. I hope the vaccine damage report is used by state's uh, attorney generals because big tobacco was defeated once it it was realized that it was costing the state Medicare uh, system money they were able to get discovery. So um, that's why we put an economic cost on this. We want uh-huh. people to know this is a real dollar hit. And all these uh, state budgets are going to get bankrupted. I'm already hearing uh, the COVID goodies from the government ended. And now we're hearing about hospitals in dire straits financially. So we're going to see a healthcare collapse, full stop. And Judy <laughs> and others are going to be the ones that fill the gap. So Judy and her, her, her crew will fill the gap.
1: I wonder where the lawyers are because you mentioned big tobacco, and I was thinking about that too. That's a lot of the model that I use for a liability on big pharma. Uh, Have they completely dropped the ball? Are they not reading all this amazing information that you provide? Uh, Are they not trying to use this? Are they not trying to overturn the law themselves? I mean, I've tried to reach the national trial lawyers, and they don't—they're not interested in in what I'm doing. But do you see the lawyers as having dropped the ball for their responsibility?
6: Well, the lawyer, this was such a clever psychological operation. Okay. And they turned, it, they turned it into this tribal virtuous sigla- signaling nonsense. So in, on Wall Street, you know, you can't rationalize facts to someone whose position is based on emotion. And a lot of people get, get emotional about stocks and ride mm-hmm. them all the way to zero. So we now have people that, in, that mandated vaccines for their employees that took the shots themselves based on some false emotional fear, tribal identity, what have you. And now they're stuck with the cognitive dissonance and they are loath to admit that are wrong. So when you go to the trial lawyers, Uh they've all jabbed themselves up. They bought into this and they think you're crazy, but you know what, as time rolls on, it's starting to percolate and word of mouth is spreading. And I I think it's a matter of time before the trial lawyers uh, association wants to talk to you. I, I think, I think, Time is on your side, and they're going to flip, and eventually they'll warmly receive you. But you need, you need, they need to go through the process of grieving, which is okay. uh, uh, denial, anger, depression, acceptance. And still, a lot of them are still in denial, unfortunately, Craig.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, my frustration is that I wrote this bill two years ago. In fact, we had our, our two-year anniversary with Judy last Friday talking about this. Uh, the big tech bill is almost two years old. I think that was June. So I, I feel in some ways, you know, having seen so far ahead, uh, of this. And, and, you know, it's like offering solutions when people don't know the problems is incredibly frustrating. Um, I got a little different question for you, just based on, on more getting back to the book again. You Did you go to the insurance companies and the morticians, or did you discover the data they were putting out? How did you come to find this problem using those two sources? Because I remember when I first heard this myself, that the insurance industry was reporting 40% excess mortality. I'm like, what is going on? I said, of all the places to find the information. How did you come to to know about this? Did you look for it there, or was it you discovered the information that had come out?
6: Well, so in the first quarter of 2022, I told Dr. Malone I was going to monitor the insurance company results that are publicly available and funeral home results. Because if I was correct, insurance companies should start losing money and take on higher-than-expected losses, and funeral companies should Mm -hmm. be beating expectations. And sure enough, that's what happened. The insurance company started seeing losses in what's called group life policies and they saw the losses there first because of the Byzantine accounting uh, of, of insurance. So there's group life policies and there's whole life policies. Group life policies are given to corporations, fortune 500 Mm -hmm. midsize companies for their employees. And they're just, they're small, you know, you get one or two times your base salary should you die. Great business for insurance companies because you know folks in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s don't die because they're employed and they're healthy for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, they started dying, so they started losing money. There It showed up in the company results. They talked about it publicly. Of course, they blamed COVID at the time. Um, right. And what what was interesting about that is in, you know COVID didn't really kill uh, uh, working age folks in 2020. This all happened in the 21 and 22. And The funeral home companies are are now, even as of the last quarters, are saying this uh, business that we thought would normalize because the the CEOs of the funeral home companies said on their calls, we expect this um, excess mortality that we've been benefiting from to go back to normal. And it hasn't. And now they're saying, well, we expect excess mortality to be elevated. And they talk about, and they say COVID for the most part is done. So it's It's non-COVID-related issues. They won't name the vaccine for whatever reason, but their business is good and continues to be good. And they have a, you know, I hate to say this, but funeral homes are kind of a little bit of a growth industry now. Uh, I put out a tweet yesterday that private equity firms are looking at uh, the the debt business because the growth rate of the death business is 8.4%. It's become a growth industry. Anything above five is a growth industry. And so private equity firms are going to start rolling up, uh, uh, death care and uh, hospice uh, companies, because um, you know there's money to be made. Apparently.
1: Oh, that is fascinating, I mean, but it makes perfect sense. If you look at it from a purely economic point of view, the fact that so many people are are injured and crippled and are dying from these things, that uh, the industries that that handle these things, so somebody you know has to do it, uh, they're going to be growing. What about workman's comp? Uh, do, are people, because I know you, you sp- spent a good time in the book on disability, um, the amount of disabilities people have, and this, you know, from the working folks that were required to get the jab on the job. Um, is that covered by Workman's Comp? Is Workman's Comp going to be massively expanded to cover all these people? How are they going to have their disabilities covered?
6: Well, there's a confusion in the Workman's Comp industry. I was okay. reached out to uh, by someone. They didn't require me to do anything. They just informed me this is an issue, uh, and the, and what he stated was he thinks it's the vaccine, but you know people in his industry uh, don't really even, even contemplate that it's the vaccine. So this is everything. This is a fraud in progress. And my goal has been to educate and get the issue elevated to the national uh, uh, level. I tried right. to. uh, I went to before Senator Ron Johnson said we have a national security issue, the military and all the able body employed have been poisoned. Their health outcomes are worse than the general U.S. population, which has never occurred in the history of the nation. Because Mm -hmm. by the mere fact that you're going to work, uh, you know, you're healthy because we have 320 million people in this country. We have an active labor force of full time of about 100 to 120 million. The civilian labor force is 164. And so um, we just poisoned the people who were doing all the stuff. I mean, this, this is, this is it, look, if this was a plan, and I, I don't know if it was, but if I was, uh, you know, wanting to take over the U.S., would it be good to, to do what the Viet Cong did? The Viet Cong didn't want to kill a soldier. They wanted to injure a soldier because they knew it would muck up the supply. For every one soldier injured, there's five people, five resources that are diverted from the war effort. So if you wanted to take over the U.S. without firing a shot, wouldn't you like to cripple the most able-bodied members of the military and the workforce so that then the nation has to focus on taking care of them uh, and divert precious resources to that endeavor rather than, you know, building things, creating things, you know, productive things? So I'm I'm not saying it's a plan, but if if I was an evil genius and I want to take over the United States, this is what I would do. I'm just putting that out there.
1: No, I mean, feel free and to put walt- anything w- walt- up
6: there. Um, Waltz walt- in in five years. Walton walt- in, yeah. in the country with infrastructure and tax
1: in five years. Huh. Um, technically, we're at the top of the hour. I don't know if you have to leave, but we can actually run a little bit over time. Um, so it's up to you if you want to stay. I just love talking to you. This is fascinating. Um, if we can do, and of course, if anything we should mention, please let me know. But let's go. The, let's go to the ultimate dark side. You got the World Economic Forum. You got the globalists. You got the World Health Organization. You got the Chinese Communist Party. You got all these folks that are that are trying to. You know, everybody wants to run to rule the world, uh, but they never can because they always screw up. There's always something that goes wrong. Like I say, Americans are still somewhat independent. We're not taking the boosters. What What, what do you think the ultimate plan, the ultimate goals, and maybe like the ultimate defense for us? Is with uh, with these so-called self-appointed masters of the world? What would you uh, well, say to all so, that?
6: Well, look, uh, the the biggest problem. I don't fear them. I fear the. I feel the. I fear the citizen who thinks everything is fine and nothing wrong has happened. Okay. The, the ignorance of, the, of the, the. We need. This is an educational uh, time, and the system's been corrupt for you know decades and decades. There's been a lot of thievery and pilfering of uh, the government treasury for a long time. And the fact that we just poisoned 5 billion people, we can alert those people to the fact things change. And it, it'll be bumpy and turbulent, maybe chaotic, but it'll change. So the biggest enemy of us are those who don't know. Not the, there's not enough people in the government to rule us. They rule us by co-opting the minds and hearts of those who are still in fear and, and trust authority. Those mm-hmm. are the people we need to convert. I call it the marginal mind. Once the globe is aware that it's been poisoned, everything changes. This is where evil messed up. Evil uh, went too far, in my humble
1: opinion. You know, I had a theory that uh, with the resistant and the compliant, they basically, you know, poisoned the compliant people and the resistant, you know, us. Uh, we're out there who did not take the jab. We're the ones who are going to be around. It's like the opposite of war, where the brave get killed and the, and the uh, the ones that didn't fight are left to rebuild the society the weaker people. Whereas in this in this instance, it's actually reversed. The, the stronger, the more resistant, the more independent people are the ones who did not take the jab, and the more compliant are the ones who did. Uh, it, does that kind of a trend? I don't know if you thought about that at all. Does that make sense? Yeah,
6: it it, it seems like the most bizarro plan. If it was a plan and, you know, mm-hmm. i got to be honest with you. A lot of people think uh, that many people didn't take the jab and, you know, although, you know, that this is this plot uh, where everybody was in on it and knew. I think if it was a plan, it was very tightly controlled at the top. And a lot of the people that think they're in the club are not in the club. I know I've heard stories of very wealthy people who clearly are not in the club because they took the jab they bought into it, and now they're starting to awaken to the fact that that this 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 jab is poisonous. My uh-huh. book is making it dense some Some of these people have read my book, and I've heard through the grapevine that they're horrified so there are not if, if it was a plan, there's not that many people in the club and and that, I find that interesting.
1: Yeah, and the more people tightly plan, the more things go wrong. Uh, Let's get your your book title out again. Uh, Scrolling back up the top of my notes here. Cause Unknown, the Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. Uh, Anything else you want to say on that? Anything that I should have covered that I didn't? um, Feel free. Well,
6: the book was was written for my loved ones and others.
1: Mm
6: -hmm. If you're already of of the opinion that we are, you know, you can read it, you'll love it, but it's really meant for you to give to someone else to convince them. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I left out the who and the why I wrote, you know, when we were writing the book, I had 6,000 words dedicated to the who and the why my, my theory of the case, we took it out because it's, it's just my opinion. I wasn't in the room. I think it's the best guess. Uh, But what the book is designed to just say it is that this is occurring. It's true. The who and the why isn't important, but at this point the global governments see what we see and it's a Mm -hmm. cover up. So, I do say it's a, at this, without knowing whether it was a plan or a mistake, at this point it's a cover-up, and a cover-up is a crime. So it's a crime either way. It either was a plan, mistake, but at this point it doesn't matter because they're covering it up. They're continuing to kill people to cover their butts. And, uh, it, you know, people are going to go to jail regardless. So, you know whether it was a maniacal plan or not, it, at this point it's a crime, that,
1: full stop. Yeah, I'm just wondering who's going to have the guts to arrest them and actually end this. Uh, that I think is going to be the, that's the big question. We have to wait and see. Judy, do you have another comment for, for Ed he's here? And then uh, I, I should probably let you go just because I'm sure you have a million other things to do. But I want to thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's been, like I say, it's so many questions. I did almost sent, didn't know where to start. Yeah. Sir?
6: Did you send, you, you sent, you sent me your bill and all that. I, I haven't had a chance to look at it. I'll take a look.
1: Okay. Long. Well, take your time. Yeah. Um, I've got three of them. Vaccine product liability right. uh, and uh, big tech li- uh, liability. And the third one is a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. That's uh, If you ever want to talk economics sometimes, uh, feel free to come back on the show anytime. And, uh, it's been yeah, great to what have I'll you. do is
6: I'll, I'll – uh-huh. I think you send me your, your text. I'll, I'll, yes. I'll send you my email, and then we'll go okay. from
1: there. Yeah, and take your time. No yeah. rush. I just appreciate uh, having you out there. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it.
6: All right, what's is yeah. Judy want to say anything?
1: Judy, do you have
6: another sure. comment?
2: Sure, I just Yeah. Yeah, I just appreciate Ed because and I appreciate the the approach. I appreciate that he took out the who and the why because, you know, it it doesn't matter as far well it does, but um you know that that'll end and and people will figure it out eventually. Um that it, it was small and tightly controlled and I I love your approach. Um I just love your approach, Ed, just to say, you know, Here's just what it is, and, and here's who benefited. And, um, you know, all of us were poisoned, and now we have to figure out what to do so it never happens again.
1: Exactly. exactly. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Ed Dowd, thank you, sir. Uh, Dr. Judy thank you. And uh, that should be it for today. And I really appreciate everybody being on the show. This has been incredible. All um, I just have to sort it out. You take care, too. Bye now. Bye. Bye, Bye now. Bye, yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> oh, if everybody's dropped. Okay. So it's just me now. Yeah. Let me just play a couple of things here. This is uh, you know, like I said, these interviews, uh, I, I almost over prepare. I get too much stuff. I have so many, so many questions, the only places to go. And then, you know, once I get to talking to our guests, uh, it's, it's fascinating that I, I go off in totally different directions. So it's, uh, is, is, eh, you know, Like I said, I'm still learning how to do this myself. And we'll get better uh, as we do more and more of it. So I've got a few things to play for you all. Uh, our websites, the big ones, uh, of course, the show, blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Uh, our latest latest site, writeyourlaws.com. Uh, our, uh, our, my substack, gregpenglis.substack.com and of course our, our contribution site givesandgo.com slash action radio. So I haven't had a chance to play anything. <laughs> it's been a busy day. We've had a lot of conversations going on here. Play a few things for you all and I'll see you all tomorrow morning back at our regular time at uh, 7 a.m. Central Time. And we'll talk then. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m. Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should too. Do you know your way around health care, insurance, pharmacies, surgery? alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care. And now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. through better knowledge and advocacy. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida, Stand Your Ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going, an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down. Or contact them by phone, email, or website, and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio, using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.